at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there completely free. Hey, it's New Year's Eve, and we're here live. I don't know how many talk shows do a live show on New Year's Eve, but uh, we are. And in fact, I've gotten the confirmation from the wonderful folks over at the Genesis Communications Network, our syndicate, that uh, we do indeed have a board operator coming in for New Year's Day, so we will be here live tomorrow as well. Free Talk Live, we give till it hurts. Those other radio hosts are just lazy. Well, you know what? It is radio, and uh, <laughs> you don't get into the radio business because you know you want to actually do any hard work. So it figures that they would be lazy. It I mean, this, figures. Yeah, this isn't exactly. Uh, They'd be digging ditches if they really wanted to work. Exactly. This is not exactly you know the construction trade. There's there's not real work involved in radio. It's just. Pressing buttons, talking into a microphone, and that's what we're going to do here for another three hours and take your calls about anything at 800-259-9231. Of course, it is New Year's Eve. Maybe you would like to share with us your New Year's resolutions uh, if, uh, if you have any, or maybe you're just somebody that's constantly trying to, uh, to improve throughout the year and you think New Year's resolutions are kind of silly. 1-800-259-9231. We're going to go right into your phone calls. And then coming up, Mark, you're going to tell us how to get on the terrorist watch list. Apparently, it's easier than ever. Excellent. Uh, but first, Matt is with us in Illinois. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Lines. Good evening, Ian, Mark, and Dale. Hey, Matt. What's on your mind tonight? Um, the other day, you guys were talking about uh, the snowfall in New York and the, uh, the inability for them to... Um, uh, clear the streets in the poor areas. Well, it wasn't an inability necessarily. It was more of a refusal. Uh, for apparently, from what we've learned later, uh, the government snow clearing folks there have themselves a union, and they were basically refusing to work. Okay, and um, I, I just I, I would have called, except I wasn't listening that night. I heard this on the podcast, and um, it. it there was a similar event that happened in 1979 in Chicago. Uh, we had a mayor. This was before Daly uh, reestablished the family name as the uh, mayor for life of Chicago. And um, we had a, a, a mayor named Michael Belandic. And then we, on New Year's Eve of that, of 1979, we had an amazing blizzard. It was just an incredible amount of snow, and we got socked for about a week. It just it kept coming and coming and coming. And they couldn't clear the side streets, and people were having the same kind of problems. Ambulance wouldn't be able to get through. People couldn't get to work, mm-hmm. and they were complaining. And it did, in fact, cost the mayor his job. People, I mean, it was a huge, the next, the next fall, it, it was a huge... Uh, issue in the election. Now, was this a, pr- a protest, or was it just the d- typical inability of government to actually get anything done in a decent amount of time in an efficient manner? It was simply an amazing amount of snow that is probably one of the worst snowfalls I've ever seen up here. And um, at the time, I was even delivering uh, auto parts. That was my job. And I had to drive down those streets. And there were streets where there was just two tire ruts going down uh, at least 12 inches of snow. They were just impossible to get by. Where You, you would see where people had just made ruts, their, their, their trucks or whatever that had been able to get through had actually created ruts. 
in the in the in the snow. And when that uh, doesn't get cleared, you know, when that doesn't get cleared, it freezes up instead of you know being slushy. In some cases, that you'll you'll have that when it's when the snow is falling and stuff. You know those those ruts will be kind of slushy and slippery. But after that, they turn into these t- these parallel toboggan runs that are hard as uh, concrete, right. and uh, you, there's like nothing you could do with them. In fact, Mark, uh, I don't know uh, if your in-laws were around the Chicago area at the time, but I would imagine they could tell you the same stories about that particular year. And um, it was just, for about two weeks, those side streets were not cleared. Wow. And it it was really, really, um, and, you know, they cried about the amount of snow that had fallen, and they cried about... um, uh, how hard the guys were working, and I mean, it got, there was one story where this one guy had been on the job for I, I, I believe at least forty-eight hours straight, and he started crashing his truck into cars on the freeway, and and he killed a couple of people because he was so he, tired. He, he's, his, his, yeah, yeah, he was plowing for so long, so straight. He he began to hallucinate, oh, God. and he and he ran a couple of few cars off uh, off the expressway, mm. and they finally got him, or he he um, crashed. And they when the police arrested him, all he said was, "I just want to go home. I just mm. want to go home." And I wow. believe he's still in jail. Good lord! Because I mean, yeah, he killed a couple of people, and it was uh, it was rough. Wow. You know, but, this uh, is this is one of those tough scenarios where you, you know your boss is the state, and the state tells you you need you need to keep plowing. Uh, you know, they're out there with the whip telling you you need to keep plowing, but you have the responsibility, and you do have the responsibility to say I simply can't go any farther. Mm-hmm. But if this guy would have done that, who knows what would have happened as far as his job goes? Yeah, but he would have stayed out of jail, and he would have been able to see his wife and kids again. Sure, sure. Schmob. Right. So it was was very very rough, and and the snow and these kind of snowfalls and happenings can be very, very tough on uh, politicians that are in power. You can't control the weather, and you might see a a pushback at at, uh, Bloomberg. And uh, the next election, cycle. as though as though Bloomberg really has any sway over how this uh, this plays out. I mean, he doesn't get to yeah, micromanage the uh, the bureaucracy that handles the snow removal. Right, the guys that do the snow removal obviously right. don't care what he thinks. Otherwise, they would have removed the snow in the first place. Mm-hmm. They said themselves that in this case that it was a uh, work slowdown, and as a result, emergency vehicles were not able to get to people's houses. People died. Uh, people, people, you know, died. needed. To, yep, people died. And. And so, and so the electors, the, or the uh, the people who vote, are regardless of what the you know who was actually in charge. They're not going to see it that way. They're going to see uh, Michael Bloomberg didn't have the the power to get this done, and therefore we're not going to elect him because people have this tendency to need or want somebody to. Blame. What else can they do, though? I'm not suggesting that it's a solution to the problem, but really, what else can they do? You know, when when you're, you know, I, you're forced to pay these property taxes, these people that clear the snow say, we, we want more from our union benefits. We want more money, fewer hours, you know, lollipops and ice cream and whatever it else it is that they want. What do you do but, you know, fire the mayor? Right, right. But I did like a couple of the suggestions that you gave to, to allow the bur- boroughs in New York to hire their own uh, 
plowers or clearers. I, mm-hmm. I like the idea of, you know, uh, letting people own their own roads and stuff like that. I think it could work, but I don't think we're going to get there overnight. I, Not in New York City. I think it needs to happen gradually. <laughs> yeah. well, I think if you did that, New that York they... City is, the, the, Chicago might be a couple of the last areas to yeah. actually see freedom. But Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if you did that, the, the guys that run those things would just destroy every piece of equipment. They'd go on strike. Yeah, I mean, they would, it would be it would be awful. Thank you, Matt, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and uh, thanks for the story at 800-259-9231. It is the New Year's Eve edition of the program. All across uh, the country, around the world, people are obviously preparing, or in some places, ringing in the New Year, because it's probably the New Year over in Great Britain or something Yeah, I'm like expecting right a, uh, drunk from, a call from a drunk Swede at this point. Really? <laughs> You've got somebody who's going to call in? No. I'm oh, okay. Saying. That'd be great. We always enjoy the good drunk calls on this uh, this program. So if you can dial the phone, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. We will take your calls about absolutely anything. Coming up, the terrorist watch list, even easier than ever to get on it. Uh, we'll explain what that means here in a little bit. And, uh, of course, take your calls about anything you want. Toll-free at 800-259-9231. Of course, be sure you're safe out there tonight and have designated drivers and all that stuff. Because uh, we want you to tune in again tomorrow night. All right, more coming up. This is Free Talk Live, 800 259 9231. One of the many imaginative graphic novels from BigHeadPress.com is Odysseus the Rebel, a new twist on an old story. This is not your daddy's Odysseus. BigHeadPress.com will help you spark imaginations and free minds with their enjoyable webcomics and graphic novels. Beautifully illustrated, inspirational stories will make your holiday gift-giving a mind-free experience that will be appreciated and enjoyed. Sample Odysseus the Rebel online before you buy at BigHeadPress.com. Control of these airwaves by dialing in toll-free. The number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that you'll find there on the site completely free. Those features include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're right there on the front page. In fact, the last week's worth are there on the front page. And then if you click into the archives section, and that'll take you back to, as uh, I guess, as late as 2006. Late 06, as a matter of fact. And you'll find that all of that is completely free at freetalklive.com, thanks to HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting. With their web hosting, you can get as, uh, you know, so many benefits, up 99.9% uptime guarantee, a 45-day money-back guarantee, 24-7, 365 days a year, technical support, free domain transfers, free file transfers, free database transfers, and free script transfers. Whether you want a complete e-commerce business website or just a personal blog, let the experts at HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com host you. Use that portal that we've created for you, HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com, and you'll get your first month completely free, HostGator.FreeTalkLive.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Coming up, Mark's going to explain to us how it's easier than ever to get on the terrorist watch list. But first, to the phones and the fun, your thoughts are welcome. We go to Daniel in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Daniel. Um, hi guys. Hey, what's on your mind today? I, uh, well, you know, I uh, I, I moved to uh, I moved to Manchester in April as part of the Free State Project. Oh, great! I spent the first thirty years of my life uh, in New York City, 
And, you know, I can, I can tell you, um, you know, these ideas about, uh, like, okay, like the idea about uh, uh, hiring, hiring private entrepreneurs to come in and plow the streets. And it's like, who's going to pay for it? The private citizens are so overtaxed. They, they, don't even, they don't have the money. I have, a, I have a friend, right? He's an illegal alien. Mm-hmm. Every year he makes money shoveling uh, people's, uh, you know, people's walkways, driveways and such. This year he's done, only, he's only done five houses, and it's not for a lack of snow. It's for a lack of people who are able to pay him. Mm. He said this is his worst winter ever. I mean, you know, if you can't, if they can't pay somebody to shovel a driveway or a sidewalk or, or a front walk, rather, you know, it's not, it's not going to happen with these uh, large, uh, large uh, plows. And then there's a legality uh, of it. I mean, I have no idea whether it's legal or not to plow a public street with a private plow. But the problem with New York is that there's so many laws. You don't know whether you've broken them, but sometimes you don't know whether you've broken them yeah, until, until you've actually done it. I remember we read a story out of New York about a guy getting arrested or a ticket or something like that for sitting on, um, I guess, a milk container. He was just sitting on one of those milk crates out in front of his house, and apparently it's illegal to sit on a milk crate or some ludicrous <laughs> nonsense like that. You're right. There are so many laws in New York. Obviously, a change that would involve bringing private uh, privateers into the business of snow plowing would have to involve some sort of governmental uh, change i mean they would have to they would have to roll back the institution of the union uh, the of government and employees clearly you know once once the union was out of it then you would you know theoretically the uh, the taxpayers of new york and therefore the renters of new york would see a uh, re- reduction in the cost of their their rent and their taxes um, well that's if they res- lowered taxes as a result i mean well, that seems unlikely it seems likely that they the government would still keep all the money they're getting from you it's just they'd pay less for the snow plow uh, the snow plowing I uh, let me tell you something. The union will never break. Yes. Is it this is a union city? Mhm. Uh, I've I've worked on on I've worked for democratic politicians. I've worked on democratic campaigns when I was living in and working in New York City. They have the unions have dem, have the democrats around around you know wrapped around their fingers. The union's never going to break. There's no, you know you might as well be asking for reform in Cuba. Yeah, I agree. I, I absolutely um, the, agree. Wow, what a way I, to put I it in perspective. The only solution is to leave. Yeah, It's the only solution. In, uh, this past November, I got my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law up here to live in Manchester. Oh, wow, this, great. Uh, yeah, next spring I'm bringing my mother. I'm bringing my mother. I'm, I'm you know, going to get my mother up here because nobody can afford to live in, live there. I'm from Queens. Mm-hmm. So I know all about the whole Manhattan-centric thing, you know, that uh, it's, you know, it's where the wealthiest people live. Of course, they're going to get plowed first. So and it's also where the tourists go, too. You know, I mean, that's where the money gets spent mm-hmm. uh, for retail in, in New York, uh, you know, much, much in a much larger percentage. So, Daniel, tell me, I mean, you spent 30 years, your first 30 years of your life. So you're about 30 years old then? Uh, yeah, so, uh, mid-30s. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're you're in your 30s. You spent the bulk of your life in New York City. You just made the move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, uh, which, of course, for those that don't know, is a move of uh, thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people all converging to the same place. Only about a few hundred, have, uh, several hundred, have made the move so far. So you're one of the early movers. 
Was it a culture shock for you? Getting out of the city and moving to a place like Manchester, which Manchester is the biggest city in New Hampshire, but compared to New York City. <laughs> yeah, you're um I mean, it was, it was a culture shock. In, well, in terms of the freedom, I I mean, just an example, I, I brought my uh, bicycle up. I uh, purchased it in Bronx and, and had it and had it driven up to Manchester. Mm-hmm. And I took it. I took it for a ride. I went on the sidewalk. And uh, the man's PD, I, 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 you know, I noticed him out of the corner of my eye, and I got nervous because in New York, uh, in New York City, it's illegal to ride your bike on the sidewalk, and you can get a hundred and ten dollar ticket. Mm. So I was very nervous, and I said, "Listen, I'm, I'm new to New York. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm new to Manchester. I'm not sure is it legal for me to be on the, uh, to ride my bike on the sidewalk." And I, I swear to God, this is what they told me. Technically, no, but we don't care. Interesting. Wow. I mean, yeah. you it's know, not legal uh, here in downtown. Yeah. In downtown Keene, it's not legal either. Um, and I do know they have given out tickets for that here. But here, you could re- refuse to pay the ticket, and you'd have activists backing you up, and it would be a big deal if uh, if that happened. I think it's one thing to ride down a sidewalk where people are there, and you're causing a, a hazard. It's another right. thing to take it easy and go slow. And but that's that's a big part of it. Whether yeah. you're going fast and and keep because you because you are sharing it with pedestrians, and you have to keep that in mind. I would rollerblade on sidewalks in Keene all the time, which I don't think is illegal, but I was always very conscious, mm-hmm. uh, conscientious of the fact that I'm sharing it with pedestrians, and I don't want to zoom by and then someone come out of a door and smack, you know. I, so I was just careful about it. One thing's for sure, you're well, definitely going to have an overall freedom increase if you are moving from New York City. Some some places it may be a little more difficult than others to uh, to notice the freedom increase, but I think if you're coming from somewhere like New York City where there are laws prohibiting all kinds of things uh you'll definitely see a a notice so what are some of the other things that you might you might have picked up on um well i mean uh with my fellow porcupine there are so many uh agorist opportunities that simply didn't exist in New York City that's great. I'm glad you're here, and welcome uh, to New Hampshire, and, and thanks for coming up here. And hopefully we'll get some more folks out of uh, New York City up here, because if you love freedom... Escapees. Yeah. If you love freedom, you should escape to New Hampshire. It's the best option. Thanks for the call tonight, Daniel. I appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features 
that you'll find there for free. The bulletin board system is one of them. You can get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. It's the live New Year's Eve edition of the show. We are here to take your calls about anything you want. And we're going to do a giveaway a little bit later on. Two-pack of the Tota Sack. What is it, Mark? Tota Sack's the one-trip wonder for hauling goods from your vehicle to your home. It's now available uh, for fundraisers and small independent resellers of general merchandise. It's a retail grocery bag carrier that handles more than you can. A lot more. It's totasac.us, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.us. And you can go see this. It's uh, made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States. Totasac.us. All right. 800-259-9231. So coming up here, Mark, I want you to tell me, actually now, uh, about what's this news uh, regarding the terror watch list? It's apparently easier to get on it now than ever before. Yeah, well, you know, um, the, you know, they had that little problem with the uh, the Christmas bomber last year. It's been a year now. Christmas, yeah, the underwear guy, the underwear yeah. bomber, and um, Christmas of last year. Well, apparently, his dad had uh, t- try attempted to warn people that he was getting very extreme sounding. Um, mm-hmm. So now, you know, the government, you know, quick as it is, is uh, responding. The from the Washington Post, a year after a Nigerian man allegedly tried to blow up. A Detroit-bound airliner. Officials say they have made it easier to add individuals' names to a terrorist watch list and improve the government's ability to thwart attack on the United States. You know, you could really thwart the, uh, the you know, improve the government's ability to thwart uh, attacks on the United States by just stopping all civilian uh, domestic airliners and, and and international flights too. Uh, would that would stop a, a I guess airplane attacks? Yeah. You Nobody could stop allowed- car accidents too by just you know. Taking cars off the road. Nobody allowed in or out of the country. Everybody has to use a bicycle. That would that help take care of it, wouldn't it? Or you could just stop bombing people over in the Middle East. Oh, that might be a, an idea too. Yeah. The failure to put Umar Farouk, oh God, Abdul Matalab on the uh, watch list last year renewed concerns that the government system to screen out potential terrorists is flawed. Even though Abdul Dul Mat. Talab's father told uh, U.S. officials that of his son's radicalization in Yemen, government rules dictated that a single source tip was insufficient to mm. include a person's name on the watch list. Since then, senior counterterrorism officials say they have altered their criteria so that a single source tip, as long as it's deemed credible, can lead to a name being placed on the terrorist watch list. So now all you need is one single source tip that's deemed credible by mm-hmm. the government and your name is on the watch list. Right. And then you get special screening every single time, right? Yep. The one the government's watch list is one of roughly a dozen lists or databases used by counterterrorism officials. Uh, the officials have periodically adjusted the criteria to maintain it, but civil liberties groups argue that the government's new criteria, which went into effect over the summer, have made it more likely that individuals who pose no threat will be swept up in the nation's security apparatus. Well, we've already seen that, where the watch list is loaded up with names that, essentially, they're names that supposedly, adhere, you know, they, they line up with a terrorist, an alleged terrorist somewhere, but if your name happens to be the same, then you get caught up in it as well. There are 440 thousand people on that list that's a lot of people. officials insist they've been vigilant about keeping law-abiding citizens off the master list the new criteria <laughs> have been led only to modest growth in the list which stands at four hundred and forty thousand people so about- they're claiming that those are not law-abiding citizens that 400 and something thousand people well but they're out course. and about in the public of course they're not you know they're not they're not safe okay 
If they were safe, they wouldn't be on the list. Well, they're working really hard to keep law-abiding citizens off the list. So mm-hmm. that means they've got 440,000 lawbreakers just wandering about. Wandering about. Despite the challenges we face, we've made significant improvements, says the director of National <laughs> Counterterrorism Center. Um, let's see. And the result of that is, in my view, that the threat of the most severe, most compl- um, complicated attack is significantly lower today than it was in 2001. Simply because they can put more people on that list. Of course. The master watch list is used to screen people seeking to obtain a visa, cross a U.S. border, or board an airliner in or destined for the United States. The standard for inclusion on remains the same as it was before that a person is reasonably suspected to be engaged in terrorism-related uh, related activity. But another senior counterterrorism official who, like some others, would uh, speak only on the condition of anonymity said the officials have now effectively, in a broad stroke, lowered the bar for inclusion. So, All right, so there you go. Yep. Uh, again, they're implying that 440,000 people are reasonably suspected of terrorist activity. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew we had that many terrorists? Right, if there were that many people that were that suspicious regarding terrorism, then wouldn't there be some terrorism going on? I mean, half a million people is, uh, you know, that's a big pool from which to pull possible suspected, you know, suicide bombers and other people that might do naughty things to uh, to harm innocent people. 440,000 of them and not one really significant incident of uh, of any terrorism, at least that uh, you know, I'm excluding the examples where the government, FBI, for instance, has essentially ginned up the terrorism where they've uh, where they found some dupe some patsy and then they and, claim credit for stopping it yeah I and then that. they they essentially talk him into uh, committing some sort of an act they provide him with the bomb or what he thinks is a bomb and they provide him with the, the cash necessary to to do whatever he needs to do in the hotel room they need to live in and oh, uh, not, not to mention uh, in a lot of cases stifling the prospects he has for going on and getting real jobs and things like that too this is true, yeah. That, that we've seen story after story where all of this, it seems like almost all of the stories that we've come across over the years where the, the feds have been touting that we've done it, we've captured a terrorist before they've uh, set off the bomb. It's always been that they've essentially set up somebody who was easily manipulable and that uh, was, was people looking that really to fit had nothing in. to do with it. How about those uh, guys that were caught with a bunch of, uh, of uh, track phones that they were trying to sell? They yeah. said, well, these guys have Arab names and they got a bunch of track phones. Right. Guilty! Yeah, they might have been looking to set up a you know a mall kiosk or something. Who knows? Right, I, that was the impression. That's what they said they were going to do. Or maybe, maybe they, yeah, maybe they wanted to make some money selling track phones. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so now you've got more uh, restrictions, and of course, we just reported last night about the the new DUI checkpoints. It'll be drawing blood from people who refuse to uh, to take a breathalyzer, and a lot of people are expecting that in 2011 they're going to see a ramp up in the police state. We just need uh, more credible because because if the terrorist watch list gets so big, so ponderously large, then it won't be of any use. So we just need to report everybody. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI tool for Eli. Speaking of 2011, Paul Craig Roberts has uh, a few thoughts. And we haven't uh, we haven't shared anything from Paul Craig Roberts for a little bit. So this is coming from antiwar.com. This year, 2011, will bring Americans a larger and more intrusive police state. More unemployment. What a prediction. And home foreclosures, no economic recovery, more disregard by the U.S. government of U.S. law, international law, the Constitution, and truth, more suspicion and distrust from allies, more hostility from the rest of the world, and new heights of media sycophancy. 2011 is shaping up as the terminal year for American democracy. The Republican Party has degenerated into a party of brown shirts, and voter frustrations with the worsening economic crisis and military occupations gone awry are likely to bring... 
Republicans to power in 2012. With them would come their doctrines of executive primacy over Congress, the judiciary law and the Constitution, and America's rightful hegemony over the world. should be noted that Paul Craig Roberts was actually, I believe, working during the Reagan, Reagan administration. administration. Yeah, So he's on the attack against the Republicans here because he's, he's not under this two-party illusion that so many people are. Maybe he was you know, a couple decades ago, but he certainly yeah. isn't now. <laughs> I certainly was less than a decade ago. Republicans, uh, he says, with them would, again, bring uh, all kinds of more uh, primacy, again, doctrine of executive primacy over Congress, etc. If it's not already obvious, 2010 has made clear that the U.S. government does not care a whit for the opinions of citizens. The TSA is unequivocal that it will reach no accommodation with Americans other than the violations of their persons that it imposes by its unaccountable power. As for public opposition to war, the Associated Press reported on December 16th that Defense Secretary Robert Gates says the U.S. can't let public opinion sway its commitment to Afghanistan. Just can't do it. The U.S. can't let public opinion sway its commitment to Afghanistan. So it doesn't matter to him what people think, what the so-called citizens believe or want. They're committed. They've got a war to fight. Who cares what you think? little people 800-259-9231 more of uh, paul craig roberts on what's coming next 2011 and your calls as well you can bring up anything this is free talk live have you been thinking about starting a website i'm going to tell you about a great offer from hostgator hostgator is a worldwide leader for web hosting and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name you create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Maybe you want to share your New Year's resolutions or maybe your New Year's uh, predictions. What's going to happen in 2011? Uh, or perhaps your reflections on 2010 and what the, the year was like for you. 800-259-9231. Or, of course, you can bring up anything. That is the point of this program. 800-259-9231. Are you on any medications? Are you getting your meds at a local pharmacy? If you are, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount Prescription Services will get you your meds at discounts as high as 70% off. And they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. Click become a member on the left-hand side of the page. A lot of people think that, uh, oh, well, my meds prescription, I couldn't uh, do that. Uh, you have to... You have to go to meds.freetalklive.com, um, you know, click the become a member thing, talk to them, give them a call. They will let you know. It's meds.freetalklive.com. All right. So uh, we are here tonight, of course, to take your calls about anything. Also sharing with you uh, what Paul Craig Roberts thinks about uh, the upcoming 2011. He's predicting uh, further economic downturn, predicting an increase of the intrusive police state. That uh, the U.S. government will continue to disregard in a, a much larger way their own rules, uh, the Constitution, international law, and etc. This, this is a former Reagan administration staffer. It's correct. Gates, uh, he's talking about what uh, Defense Secretary Robert Gates had to say about Afghanistan, saying the U.S. can't let public opinion sway its commitment to Afghanistan. That's a really telling statement from uh, you know this this appointed official. He says that we that the United States government cannot let public opinion 
And public opinion means, I mean, that public opinion is what is, it's supposed to be we the people. Mm-hmm. Now, we know it's not. And I don't think anybody's fooled by that really anymore. Um, they, may, they may, you know, talk the jargon, but they don't really believe that the government is the people. He says that, gover- that, that we can't let public opinion sway the commitment in Afghanistan. He's pretty much just come right out and said, this isn't a government of the people, and we can't allow it to be a government of the people. Pretty people much. are too stupid for this. All of the, uh, all of the, 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 I guess, the window dressing, if you will, the elections and the stuff that they do that, that, uh, that essentially, that it's essentially a cover for what they're really doing, and and that is that they're doing whatever they want to, and they still have the constitution, they still have these elections, and they they point them out, and they they will use them to essentially distract folks uh, to to make people think that there really is still sembl- a semblance of choice, or that there ever was a semblance of choice, and of course we know that it's just Tweedledee versus Tweedledum, or Thug One versus Thug Number Two. And Gates stated bluntly what has been known for some time. This, again, from uh, over at antiwar.com, Paul Craig Roberts. What has uh, been known for some time? The idea is passe, that government in a democracy serves the will of the people. If this quaint notion is still found in civics books, it will soon be edited out. Yeah, they're going to have to edit it out here shortly. In Gag Rule, a masterful account of the suppression of dissent and the stifling of democracy, Lewis Latham writes that candor is a necessary virtue if democracies are to survive their follies and crimes. But where in America today can candor be found? Certainly not in the councils of government. Attorney General John Ashcroft complained of candor mongers to the Secretary or Senate Judiciary Committee. Americans who insist on speaking their minds, Ashcroft declared, scare people, he said, with phantoms of lost liberty. Aid terrorists, diminish our resolve. So and- people who talk about uh, liberties that may have been lost, uh, you know, through the Patriot Act and things like that, are aiding terrorists. That's right. You're just trying to scare people, Mark. Well, I mean, that's that's a heck of a step up. Aiding terrorists. Aiding is isn't that a legal term? Like aiding and abetting. I think he are, really want, he wants to blur traitor? that line. He wants to blur that line so that you know you can get people for thought crimes. Well, this is this is the uh, the sort of uh, the Republican sycophant uh, talking point. You know, you won't hear it quite as often on the uh, the radio um, or among, certainly from the politicians, but you'll hear it from from people. Uh, you know, the, the the sort of the hard line Republican people that you hear in your life will say things like, hey, "If you don't support our troops, you're aiding and abetting the enemy. You're a tree. You're a traitor. You're, you're guilty of treason. You're with us, or you're against us." Yep. So uh, he continues to – this is another quote from uh, John Ashcroft. Also, they give ammunition to America's enemies, unquote. As the Department of Justice sees it, when the ACLU defends habeas corpus, it's defending the ability of terrorists to blow up Americans. And when the ACLU, ACLU defends the First Amendment, it's defending exposures of the lies and deceptions that are the necessary scaffolding for the government's pretense that it's doing God's will while Satan speaks through the voices of dissent. Neither is candor a trait in which the American media finds comfort. The neoconservative press functions as propaganda ministry for hegemonic American empire, and the liberal New York Times serves the same master. Of course, for the longest time on talk radio, people like Rush Limbaugh have been claiming that it's a liberal media conspiracy. But is it really? Isn't it really more of a statist media conspiracy, if anything? 
because they really support the state in pretty much everything that it does with very little dissent. And any well, dissent is pant- it's essentially you know pantomiming. I mean, they don't really – I think you can see serious. a liberal media conspiracy out there if you believe the lie, the big, fat, formerly nicotine-stained lie that Rush, Rush Limbaugh will tell you that he wants smaller government. What he, what Rush, Rush Limbaugh loves government bureaucracy. He just loves it to be armed with uh, automatic weapons. He likes the army. He likes the, the police. He likes, uh, you know, all the the police state trappings of government, all the stuff that the Republicans like. And that's actually if if you look at it, that is especially when it comes to federal spending, that is where the bulk of the government is. So all this talk about small. No, you're talking about discretionary spending. um, And and there's there there is a difference. And I understand they often they make it difficult. I made this mistake in the past. You're saying the military isn't the biggest expenditure of the federal government when it comes to discretionary spending. It is. But when it comes to things like if you include Social Security and Medicare. No, it's not. Huh? Those two things are are much larger, but those are you know the, the, they're they're, they're, they're okay, separate accounts. Okay, fair, fair enough. Medicare is huge. You know, I realize that, but but um, but Social Security has been rated. So what do they spend it on? They're not spending it on. They're not keeping it there for spending on Social Security. So. Right. The, 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 that's the idea. But they go and they get the money uh, that they're supposed to keep sort of separate, and then they're still liable for the payments. I mean, right. But what are they spending it on though? Well, whatever uh, they feel like. <laughs> what, well, I mean, specifically, where did it go? Couldn't tell you. Okay, because I imagine I think a lot of it's going to the police state and the military. <laughs> so, uh, you know, until I hear otherwise, that's the impression I have. That's where, that's where most of the spending seems to be. If you just look at the actual allocation of resources, there seem to be a tremendous amount going toward military and police state. And then you got all these Republicans that are saying small government, small government, small government. But we don't want to give up our thing, which is the huge, massive bulk of the government. Yep. But they will talk about welfare like that's where all our money's going. And, yeah. and, and, welfare, and, and it's bad. It's, Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's nowhere harm, near it. The uh, harm that welfare does is not, is not really about the spending in the big scheme of things. It's bad, of course. But the, it's not the amount of spending they do on it, but the fact that they just keep people in this state yep. and destroy their, um, their spirits and their, hope, their self-esteem. And, and get them addicted. You know, Get them addicted to the being government. cared for, and they don't they don't they don't become self sufficient. They stay that way, and they become you know wards of the state, and they and then that helps them perpetuate uh, what they want. So that's that's the real harm welfare, welfare does, I think, more so than the money that gets spent on it. So what about that liberal New York Times? That the conservatives are always complaining about. Well, according to Paul Craig Roberts, it was the New York Times that gave credence to the Bush regime's lies about Iraqi weapons of mass destruction. And it was the New York Times that guaranteed Bush's re-election by spiking the story that Bush was committing felonies by spying on Americans without obtaining warrants. Conservatives rant about the liberal media as if it were a vast, subversive force, but they owe their beloved wars and cover-ups of the Bush regime's crimes to the New York Times. With truth the declared enemy of the fantasy world in which the government, media, and public reside, the nation has turned on whistleblowers. Bradley Manning, who allegedly provided the media with video made by U.S. troops of their wanton, fun-filled slaughter of newsmen and civilians, has been abused in solitary confinement for six months. Murdering civilians is a war crime, and as General Peter Pace, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said at the National Press Club in 2006, quote, It is the absolute responsibility of everybody in uniform to disobey an order that is either illegal or immoral, unquote, and to make such orders known. If Manning is the source of the leak, then he has been wrongfully imprisoned for meeting his military responsibility. The media have yet to make the point that the person who reported the crime, not the persons who committed it, is the one who's been imprisoned. And without a trial. 
The lawlessness of the U.S. government, which has been creeping up on us for decades, broke into a full gallop in the years of the Bush-slash-Cheney-slash-Obama regimes. Today, the government operates above the law, yet maintains that it's a democracy, bringing the same to Muslims by force of arms, only briefly being sidetracked by sponsoring a military coup against democracy in Honduras and attempting to overthrow the democratic government in Venezuela. As 2011 dawns, public discourse in America has the country primed for a fascist dictatorship, and the situation will be worse by 2012. The most uncomfortable truth that emerges from the WikiLeaks saga is that American public discourse consists of cries for revenge against those who tell us truths. The vicious mendacity of the U.S. government knows no restraint. Whether or not international law can save Julian Assange from the clutches of the Americans or death by a government black ops unit, both executive and legislative branches are working assiduously to establish the national security state as the highest value and truth as its greatest enemy. America's future, he says, is the world of Winston Smith. And that's, I believe, the main character from 1984. Yeah, 1984. 800-259-9231. What are your thoughts for what's coming up in 2011 or what happened in 2010? You can bring up whatever's on your mind as well. Hour two's next. This is Free Talk Live. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. second hour of the program, you can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site. They're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Delbert. And Mark. Uh, And by the way, Delbert joining us from anarchyinyourhead.com. You can go there and see his blog slash uh, cartoons slash occasional video post at anarchyinyourhead.com. Our number is 800-259-9231. There is much to discuss here tonight. Coming up, a cop paralyzes a young boy and will tell you what he got in return for that effort. Uh, so that's on the way. And, and here's a follow-up for you on what we talked about last night. Uh, last night, Tampa Bay news story is that uh, the DUI checkpoints down there are now going to be no refusal Meaning that if you refuse to take the breathalyzer test, they will then have a judge issue a warrant and they'll withdraw your blood. Right there. And I had suggested that even if you don't live in Tampa Bay, you need to be careful because there's a good chance this could be coming to your area. And guess what? It's happening in Texas, too. San Antonio. 
KSAT 12 reporting, Bexar County District Attorney Susan Reed announced plans this week to extend no refusal weekends to every weekend in 2011. Every weekend's a no refusal weekend in Texas! As opposed to certain holiday weekends where they were doing them before, like New Year's and the 4th of July. This is what they do. They take steps towards tyranny they they bring up a no refusal weekend okay just just for this weekend just new year's just the fourth of july twice a year we're going to do no refusals and it's basically a test they want to see what people's responses are they want to see how people will react and if people don't react with some sort of an uproarious uh, anger towards the the intrusiveness of these uh, of these checkpoints which, as we pointed out last night, they are essentially violating the privacy of every single person that's behind the wheel. It doesn't matter if they suspect you of being drunk. Everybody is a suspect. And so everybody has to blow into the breathalyzer. And, uh, and if you don't blow into the breathalyzer, you get your blood taken from you. So now, they, uh, now that you know, nothing happened when they did these no-refusal weekends earlier this year, they figured, all right, let's, let's roll them out full time. Let's do it all the time, every single weekend. Nobody cared earlier. Nobody cared uh, in 2010. So we're going to get away with it in 2011. And they're probably right. Oh, that many more opportunities to catch someone with drugs, confiscate their car and uh, their house, possibly all kinds of just make life a living hell for them for the next couple of months while they try to get it all sorted out. So I, I could go on here, but uh, basically it's another it's a rehash of the same article that we read last night just to let you know it's not just Tampa Bay. And it's just a matter of time as these government guys continue to get away with this stuff that uh, your local governments will start picking up on the ideas and implementing them. And then how long is it going to be before it expands out from DUI checkpoints? We already know that the TSA is going into bus stations. We know they're going into train stations. Of course, we all know they're at the airports, but they're, they're also going into uh, to, to the marinas. They are setting up these Viper teams. They're, they're spending a whole day just basically interdicting people in the, in the train and, and bus stations, searching people, patting them down, bringing in uh, the scanners. They got scanners now installed at some of their uh, roadside checkpoints that they have down south where they'll stop people on the road on supposed immigration reasons. They stop everybody. They got, apparently, they have scanners there now, too. So how long is it going to be before... You have a checkpoint that's not a DUI checkpoint. It's just a checkpoint checkpoint. How long is it going to be? I mean, people have been putting up with DUI checkpoints for years. As long as my adult life, they've been going on. I mean, you're already dealing with, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be uh, a person who's here in the country illegally and get stopped at one of these DUI checkpoints. I have no idea what that's like. But they're already essentially checking your citizenship with your driver's license, Right. I mean, can, can a citizen of the United States, a, a non-citizen, non-citizen, get a uh, driver's license? It seems unlikely. I doubt, it. I doubt that. Because you have to have a social security number to get a driver's license. Birth certificate, something. Yeah. So uh, the security state doesn't stop there. Let's focus on what's happening right now. New York City, the Associated Press reporting. It's the biggest public party in the country. Nearly a million revelers will cram into the streets. And why in the world you would want to do that? I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea why anyone would. I was watching them pile up uh, on CNN today. That just sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah. With that crowd. What in the world for? To watch the ball drop? I mean, it's it's been going on since 1907. It's very significant. People, some people love getting in that crowd and the excitement and the energy and everything. I guess. I guess. Um, 
You know, I think Pick there pockets. was a time yeah. when I was younger and I had more energy for dealing with the the crowds and the yeah, traffic sure, me and too. all the yeah. t- you know. I guess there was the it, traffic know. is what. Uh, can you imagine what it's like trying to drive out of New York City? I, I'm trying uh, to imagine it, when you're packing. done at one. I'm trying to imagine packing into the subways because I've been at events in uh, in other parts of the country, in, in other parts of the country, in big cities where there's a huge event going on. Washington D.C. after a big like gay event with a big like a hundreds of thousands of people at a at the mall or something, and then getting on the subways You'd and just trying to wait for a subway train so you could get. How home. about we have to porta potty? <laughs> ne- never <laughs> mind trying to drive in that mess. You'd have to do to uh, well. You'd have to have uh, a car and then take it to like I don't know Stanford, Connecticut, or something. Park it, ride the su- ride the uh, light rail. Um, you know, I guess it goes down in the subway. I don't even know how it works exactly, but yeah. you know, you take the light rail in to the the city, which is another hour's ride on the uh, the train. So I mean. It would have to be several legs to this in order to do it. I just do not understand the it's allure crazy. whatsoever. All to essentially stand around in the cold, <laughs> yeah. watching this Getting stuff spilled on you. Yeah, because you're uh, you're lucky if you avoid the vomiting drunks. Exactly, you're you're around people that you don't know. You're going to. I mean, it's it's one thing you're going to obviously bring friends with you, so you'll have your small group your of own friends with drunks, you. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you're around hundreds of thousands of people. They're saying a million people. You don't know these people. And and they don't know you. And in New York City, they're going to treat you like that. It sounds it just sounds awful to me. <laughs> I have uh, no no interest, whatever. I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near New York City, whether I'm in Times Square or anywhere else. It'd just be packed and crazy. But nonetheless, some people want to do it, and oh, they yeah, are doing more, it. And more power to them. So let's talk about what kind of nonsense they're going to have to deal with. I mean, I don't mean just from the fact that they're around a million people, but the state is providing security. And what's that going to look like? Well, it's also remarkably crime-free, claims the Associated Press, safe and orderly. In the past decade, there have been few arrests and virtually no major problems funneling people in and out of the confetti-filled streets to ring in the new year. That's due mostly to what the partygoers don't notice. Throngs of police and counterterrorism officers blanketing the area, working from a security plan specially tailored for the event. Manhole covers are sealed. Counter snipers are stationed on secret rooftops. Good lord. Officers carry beeper sized radiation detectors. Plainclothes officers are stationed in the pens with the crowds, along with a uniformed presence and undercover officers. Bomb sniffing dogs are on site. Purses are searched. Checkpoints are set up. And perimeters are created using concrete blocks. Passing vehicles are checked for safety. Hazmat teams are on standby. Well, you know, quite honestly, what would I? I would hope that they were doing something like that. I don't think for a second that they're uh, more efficient than uh, some private organization. But maybe they are in the sense that they have more practice at it than than most of these uh, most private organizations. I would say a couple of years. You would, would hope be, that they would have snipers trained on the crowd. Look, I, there's there's a lot of people there, man. There is a lot of people there. Did they need snipers in 1960 when they were doing it there? Um, when they started in what 1907, yeah. they probably didn't have any snipers. No. So yeah. why do they? Need, I mean, there were probably a lot of pickpockets and things like that. And now mm-hmm. there's, uh, you know, there there is New York is the target for terrorists. They 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 consider it significant. If you're outside the United States, you consider mm-hmm. New York to be the United States. Yeah. Well, and, if you want a lot of bang for your buck, I mean, yeah. no pun intended. That's you know where you. That's that you know high population, very dense. What would you do, Ian? If if you were uh, if, if if you were in charge of the event, what would you do? Uh, well, I don't know, Mark. I'm not in charge of the event, so I, I have no idea. I, I don't nice do those just things. stand there sniping from the outside, then. 
uh, yeah, I am sniping at this because it's a police state. They're searching people's purses who but want to go into this. Where was the part with the purse, purse searching? I didn't hear that part. It was in there. You know, it wouldn't bother me as much if there really was, if they really made a case for the, that they're, that they're going to stop some terrorism with this. Because when a terrorist is ready to attack New York, they're not going to stop him. He's going to, all the stuff they're doing for show is not going to stop the real terrorists. 1-800-259-9231. Purses are searched. You must have missed that part. Checkpoints are set up. They're searching if you everybody. want to go in, I mean, your purse could get searched going into a basketball game. I, I wouldn't go control. to this crap. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Ovaltine. Give your kids the nutrition they need to be their best. Visit us at OvaltineUSA.com. Telling your child about healthy food choices is important, but showing her what to eat goes a lot further. Have her help create the grocery list, then bring her to the store with you. Picking out healthy foods together helps kids get in the habit of thinking about what they're eating every day. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash your family today. live New Year's Eve edition of the program. We are here to take your phone calls about whatever you want. Uh, the number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where you can enjoy the features completely free. We've got a lot of stuff there. The The, uh, the wiki is one of those features with over 2,000 pages created by listeners just like you. Wiki.freetalklive.com will get you there. Wiki.freetalklive.com. The wiki, by the way, uh, again, like it's a, it's essentially an editable, user editable version of our website with a whole lot more content, uh, over two thousand pages. Wiki.freetalklive.com. Intern for Liberty. Make a difference. Get experience and get paid. The Institute for Humane Studies is seeking undergraduate, graduate, and recent graduates for its summer internship programs. They have internships in all types of journalism and in public policy. The internship includes a generous stipend, housing assistance, career workshops, and training throughout the summer. Visit LibertarianInternships.com for more information and sign up to receive updates and reminders. LibertarianInternships.com. All right, 800-259-9231 as we continue here. Uh, We will, of course, take your phone calls about anything at all. Times Square is where a lot of people are going to be tonight. They're expecting a crowd of approximately a million revelers. And the AP is going over the security state that is going to be set up there. They'll be searching purses. They'll be setting up checkpoints. Uh, They've got snipers. (laughs) They've got uh, radiation detectors, plainclothes officers, uniformed officers, bomb-sniffing dogs, hazmat teams. So I guess I've got some questions for you on this one, Ian. I don't have as big of a problem with this. If they're, if they're doing it for this one event and, um, you know, that's what they're doing it for, I'm sure they're doing it and, and, you know, not as efficiently as uh, some private organization could. But if you're talking about a basketball game, they do this stuff. I don't know if you've been to some private event. Um, you know, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not kind of your kind of thing, but I've been shaken down and gone through metal detectors, going into concerts, sure, going into sure. uh, basketball games, going into hockey games games going into these kind of events and one chooses to go in there it's a private uh, i mean you wouldn't uh, you you wouldn't say that's a there's a problem with that right no no it's their private property they can do that so when you're talking about the government having an event on government property Mm -hmm. exactly and then doing the same thing that a that a private organization would on their property what part of it bothers you the most 
Uh, this whole police state thing. I mean, uh, snipers. That seems pretty excessive, doesn't it? I think that uh, I, you know, I think. Do they have snipers at the basketball games? They probably don't have no. snipers. Probably because they're not doing it as, as efficiently as they. The government's not doing it as efficiently as they have to. But they also don't have. You know, when you go to the basketball game, you've got one entrance. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, whereas when you're doing Times Square, there's yeah. all kinds of entrances, and they can't do anything about those. So they're trying to shake down as many people as they can shake down on the way in, check purses and pockets mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But they are there, can't. Are there are the entrance areas not going to be crowded? What do you mean crowded? When, the, like, people, when people are lined up to get mm-hmm. to get checked out, if someone's a suicide bomber, uh, is that not a good time to do it? Right as you're about to get checked, oh, you're going to check my bag and find my bomb? Well, I'll go ahead and set it off now then in this big crowd of people lined right. up to get checked. This is what I'm saying. It's mm-hmm. not doing any good. This is a load of crap to make people feel good. Do you think that I, – I, I can't remember what it was like to, to get lined up, but I, I would say that there's a, a queue of dozens of people in some of these uh, concerts and basketball games I've gone to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're still talking about a situation where, you know, the marketplace doesn't seem to have any better, um, you know, answers. I'm then. pretty sure the may- reason why they're searching people at games is not to find a mad bomber, but to find somebody with a blade or something like that. They don't want some drunken fool uh, pulling out a knife and uh, you know shanking somebody in the upper seats. I would say that's probably the number one reason why you've got searches. Certainly at concerts, that's that's the concern. They're not expecting a mad bomber uh, to come I, in there. They're looking for somebody with a weapon that's going to use it against another individual I'd in say some it drunken fight. It's the thing. This it's the nature of being the aggressor in this in this, in this sort of tactic, where your target is civilian people, where your 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 goal is just to make everyone afraid all the time. Uh, that, I mean, that's the idea of terrorism is is just to find civilian targets and catch them unaware and kill some people and and that. <laughs> That that and especially if you're willing to kill yourself. I mean, a lot of these people. Yeah, it's really know, tough to defend against somebody who's willing to kill It's themselves. nigh impossible. Uh, and and we're doing an awful lot to kind of make it look to look busy. And it, the truth of the matter is, we you can't protect yourself against that someone with with that kind of attitude. Um, I mean, it's there's 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 a tremendous amount of effort for little to no return on that effort because yeah. all these things that they're doing. You know, the, the terrorists, if, you know, if there's terrorists out there that had some kind of plans, they're going to change them to adjust for what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. It's This is um, a tremendous amount of effort and a tremendous amount of invasion of privacy and a tremendous amount of police state Absolutely. For, a, for, a, for a near nothing return. They're, they're justifying their existence. They are getting people used to uh, constant searches. And I understand, Mark, you're just, well, it's just this one night a year, but it still makes, it's still something. And these are the same I, I, I don't think the free market is going to be able to stop it either. It's, it's, it's not, it's not about that. It's, uh, it's about the fact that you have an aggressor who's willing to, to go to great lengths, uh, in theory, you know, I, I, I'm well, not sure if we're going to find a lot of terrorists that are willing to blow themselves up. The suicide um, bombers don't but, consider themselves to be aggressors. They consider themselves to be striking back at an organization that is, uh, you know, g- g- killing people from their homeland, their mm-hmm. families, and things like that. Well, they're so, going. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to debate that. That's right. the point. Is the point is that they're, and I understand what you're saying. Uh, I'm just saying the point is that they're, you know, they are attacking. Civilian targets uh, randomly. They're not, you know, so, and and that is so. It could be any any time, anywhere. Three hundred million people in the United States. They can't keep them out of the borders. They can't keep them out of these crowded events. Uh, you know, like I said, they might. You know, if they're going to check them, if they're checking them at uh, at the entrance, then maybe they'll go off at the entrance. They'll set some bomb off at the entrance instead of in the inside where there's more crowds. Yeah, or would something. that be any less terrifying? But, 
but it's it's what it comes down to is that it's it's just nigh impossible to defend against that kind of uh, that kind of person who's just who just wants Dedicated. to harm anyone anywhere for public attention. It's it's you can, it's, it's it's at some point you have to acknowledge that that's not a practical um, problem to solve in this manner. In this mm-hmm. manner of sort of trying to treat everyone like a potential criminal to try and catch someone. The the the, the trick to this is stop taking people off so much that they're willing to to kill themselves just to kind of kill anyone, anyone. They're not targeting. You know, a military target or a bureaucrat like the president or a senator or what? They're just they just want to kill anybody anywhere out of 300 million people. That's not stoppable. You know, the trick is how do we not tick someone off so much that they want to do that? Not to mention the death of a thousand cuts, which uh, p- members of Al Qaeda, uh, of course, they don't call themselves that, um, have uh, have. Uh, said that they intend to use, which is, you know, with the, with the toner bombers uh, mm-hmm. a few months ago, they said that, look, we spent $4,000 on uh, this operation and you guys spent $400 billion. Yeah. So uh, that's what their intent is. Their intent is to stir up this kind of uh, concern. And, you know, I would be interested in the amount of uh, security that was post 9-11 versus pre 9-11. But, uh, you know, at the same time, when when I, when you're talking about an event like this, you know I I, I just I just wouldn't go. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I would agree with you on that point. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Does this kind of security make you feel safer? Does having the police stop you and search you and uh, search your bags uh, does it make you actually feel like you're not as likely to be attacked by some mad bomber? I think it's all just uh, for show. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. Bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free. So head over there and enjoy those, including our mobile site. If you've got a smartphone, you can go to m.freetalklive.com. Get quick access to our streams and the podcast over at m.freetalklive.com. And Mark, tell me about Dell Valley Silver. Well, Dell Del Valley Silver offers a solution if you've ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community. They have a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You can get paid to promote the use of real money, and it, it won't cost you anything. This is like so, um, not like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell you high-priced rounds. Check them out at DellValleySilver.com. Get a hold of Karen there. Get started today. DellValleySilver.com. All right, 800-259-9231 the phones and your thoughts about whatever you want. Maybe you want to share your New Year's resolutions or your reflections on 2010, predictions for what's coming next year. Let's go to Scott in Wisconsin. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Delbert and Mark. 
Scott in Wisconsin. Going once. Scott in Wisconsin. Going twice. All right. Well, maybe we'll uh, maybe Scott will call us back. The number here tonight, 800-259-9231. Of course, you can bring up anything. Uh, and coming up here, uh, we're going to get to some more of the objections to liberty. We started some of them last night uh, from the Hardcore History Forum. I've got, uh, I've got more. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll touch on some of those. But, Mark, I want you to tell me about the, uh, the little boy that was hit by a cop and what happened to the cop. Yeah, this is uh, it's a tragic story. Officer J- uh, Jason Kokinkos was about to leave his house in northern Montgomery County when he heard the uh, traffic report. Route 27 was backed up. Better take uh, Springtown Road, he thought, before climbing into his police cruiser to drive to his off-duty job at the power plant. So he's in a, uh, uh, a police cruiser, but he's apparently not really on police time. Inside a modest split-level house along Springtown Road, 12-year-old Louis Jovell Jr. had gotten home from school. He ate a bowl of cereal asked his dad whether he could walk to a friend's house. He headed down his long driveway and crossed a stretch of Springtown uh, where, the ru- where the rural gives way to residential. What happened next on a Sunday afternoon in April 2008 in Clarksburg changed two lives forever. It's a picture in my mind I never want to see again, said Officer Kinkos, publicly speaking for the first time about his accident. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to, I'd like to make the point here. The first time that this officer speaks about the accident is two years later. Hmm. When officers get in trouble, they get lawyers. When you get in trouble, you talk to the officer. Okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's the expectation here. So learn from the people who do this stuff for a living. The people that, people that talk to cops go to jail. People that don't talk to cops are much more likely not to go to jail. Yeah, it's true. All right, he said he was driving an estimated 56 miles per hour. Nearly twice the speed limit, said the uh, child, um, and said the child darted in from in front of his car, hmm. slammed on his brakes, skidded 40 feet, struck the 82-pound boy who rolled over Oof. his hood. Junior, as Lewis is called, is now a quadriplegic. He lived. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he's a mess. So, um, you know, the, the darted part, it's all perceptual, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know what it's like. <laughs> Something moves out. I mean, well, everybody's there's a, a reason squirrel. why, I mean... There's a reason why speed limits are a certain amount in a residential area. Yeah, I know? think that there are the unexpected things can happen. <laughs> I uh, t- you know residential areas. It, it, the problem is, is when you're used to going through a residential area, your your speed will creep up over time. Sure, it will. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can tend to do that until you, unless you train yourself to you know drive defensively. But but that's but that's sure. Yep. It's okay. It was me. Junior told his mother. I can't even imagine if it was one of my brothers or my sister. Junior and Kokinkos uh, believe things happen for reasons. They tell themselves not to dwell in the past. They have never spoken to each other. I don't want to just show up at the door, Kokinkos said. I, I don't want to create any problems for them. I, I don't want to create any additional pain. After Kokinkos' car skidded to a stop that afternoon, he jumped out, grabbed a first aid kit, and applied a bandage to the back of Junior's head. He felt no pulse and started chest compressions. Junior's father, Lewis, came running out of the house. He performed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Taking in blood as he did. The oh two got a labored breathing going. Medics showed up. Junior was taken away in a helicopter, barely alive. He fell into a coma. Doctors determined that his brain stem, a small area that translates thoughts to, into actions, was badly damaged. It was unclear whether the altar boy and youth football player would ever speak again. On his way to visit him at uh, Kennedy Kringer Hospital in Baltimore, one day Junior's older brother, Juan, stopped at a Borders bookstore and spotted a 
spelling teaching tool for young kids, a board that held movable magnetic letters. And, um, you know, <laughs> apparently this little this, this, this thing uh, helped him to learn how to do it. At his bedside, Juan and uh, we learned how to speak. And his uh, twin, Melvin, pointed to the letters and asked Junior to uh, blink once for yes and twice for no. Using the blinks and gestures, Junior spelled this out. Don't visit me anymore. Wearing Cowboys jerseys. It's a joke. It's a joke. Gotcha. After two months after the collision, Junior saw his neurosurgeon, Amanda Wan, at Children's uh, National Medical Center. His head and neck were confined inside a halo. He couldn't move his feet or right arm beyond a flicker. Um, Junior, show her what you could do, his mother, Norma, said excitedly. He shrugged for several seconds, and then he raised his left hand, bending at the elbow, six inches off the bed. Kokinkos, 26. The cop. Yep. Um, excuse me, Officer Kokinkos, I should say. Grew up the son of a New Jersey police officer. He graduated from college in Pennsylvania and joined the Montgomery Force in t- 2006. Kokinkos called his father after the accident, and he remembers speaking calmly, thinking about what he'd said before. Um, before what he'd say before it, it sounds like you've uh, got this under control, he recalled his dad saying. The department's investigation concluded that if he had been driving 30 miles an hour instead of 56, he could have stopped in time. Oh, wow. The department also faulted Junior for crossing the road where, where he did. He was jaywalking. As soon as I saw him, he was at a full sprint, Kokinkos told uh, Internal Affairs investigators. By the time I saw him, he ran that, fa- um, he ran that fast into the road. Kokinkos, Officer Kokinkos repeated the, ex, uh, the account in several interviews and said that he spotted the child as he ran near the double yellow marking in the, in the road. Um, he was issued two citations, speeding and negligent driving. So this is, uh, you know, it, it goes on and talking about it. He pleaded guilty to the former, and the judge found him not guilty of the latter, saying that there was no evidence that uh, he was, in fact, uh, errant driving beyond speed. Kokinkos was fined $160, and he went forward with his uh, career on the force. So, well, okay. So are you pointing this out, because it's tragic and horrible, but are you pointing this out because the suggestion is that if it were one of us that were behind the wheel, that uh, we would not have just gotten a speeding ticket? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm pointing I, I th- out. I think it's nigh impossible to avoid, you know, for in a, in, a, in a situation like that, to avoid some serious charges and, and possibly lawsuits. You know, and I don't know what it would be. Um, so the application, there's there's a couple of ways to apply the uh, the, the logic here. Either the um, police officer, you know, gets a less, you know, he, he was found not guilty of negligent driving. Do you think that would have happened to you or me if we uh, hit somebody in the road? Even if you say that the uh, the kid darted out and you keep and you stick to your story and all that stuff, really? I mean, you don't think you'd get the the um, distracted driving charge or something like that? Vehicular homicide. Well, vehicular, vehicular homicide might be pushing it yeah. for what the average person might get in this circumstance. But then think about what people get when cops stop you on the side of the road, you know, and they they're just walking out in the road. People, cops get hit. It's 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 the largest. It's the most likely way that a cop's going to die mm-hmm. is walking along the side of the road after giving somebody one of their little fundraising uh, pink slips. What'll happen if you run into a cop? Yes. Now that's a you know I just just the comparisons here and I think it's important that people look at it people just you know every day all day understand that they don't get the same treatment as police officers do as other government bureaucrats well, do I think that in this case other people should get the same treatment I mean certainly in general they should get the same treatment in this case I don't think there should be much uh, that's that happens to somebody in that uh, in that situation. I mean, the kid ran out in the damn road. That you're assuming that the the officer's story is uh, as he has said it is. 
Yeah, well, it, otherwise, it's hard to say, but I but but I think the big thing is that I I wouldn't expect similar treatment. But you, but maybe you're right. Maybe uh. Maybe this is the kind of treatment that are, that someone else should get, too. It's just not likely. Well, how do you feel about it? 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. What's the appropriate punishment for somebody that runs down a kid that presumably runs out in front of your car? It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Or visit porcupinerealtor.com. That's porcupinerealtor.com. Live. You can bring up what you want. It is the New Year's Eve edition of the program. We're here. We'll take your calls about anything. 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Albert. And Mark. And don't forget, you can join us on our website. If you enjoy the program, you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that. You can go and shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You know, Amazon, the world's largest internet superstore with dozens of categories and probably millions of items. That's a lot of stuff there. Everything from the latest DVDs and Blu-ray to books uh, to office products, baby stuff, man, you name it, camping supplies, they've got it. Amazon.freetalklive.com. So head on over there and get the stuff you need. And feel good because not only are you getting a great deal from Amazon, free super, uh, free super saver shipping on a lot of their brand new items, or even buying used to save a few extra bucks, but you're also helping Free Talk Live because we get a cut of the purchase when you start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. Yep, SACL CAI. Um, if you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. The principal over there, Jason Osborne's big sponsor of Free Talk Live, has been for years. Big uh, advocate for liberty. Please uh, use them if you've got some company. SACL CAI and uh, their banners on the right-hand side of the page. So – the story that you're sharing with us, Mark, uh, is about a, a police officer who ran down a young child, 85 pounds. How old was he? He's 12. 12. Runs down this young kid. The kid's now a paraplegic. Quadriplegic? quadriplegic yeah. Meaning he cannot uh, use any of his extremities. He's a partial quadriplegic, meaning that he can move some stuff. But he's in a wheelchair and yeah. he's going to be there he's for a, a long time. Yeah. So the story from the cop is this kid darts out into the road. Mm-hmm. And you were just telling me during the break that according to... Right. Well, it's a long story. And, yeah. um, you know, I didn't know how much of uh, we were going to, you know, read the, the heart-touching stuff and that kind of thing. But, um, I, you know, I, I do want to read this part because I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, the cop says that the kid darted out on the road. Right. She couldn't parents, stop in time. Yeah. Junior's parents, financially squeezed by expenses for their son and modifications to their home, had sued uh, Kokinkos, Officer Kokinkos, and the county... Mm-hmm. They said their son was had always looked both ways. Now, I don't believe anybody in this circumstance is going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think that the officer, it, it, it's reasonable and expected that the officer would tell a lie. And it's reasonable expected that the family would uh, would say that their kid always looks both ways. You know, the officer is yeah. going to say darted. The kid darted out in front of me. Well, what does darted mean? It is a subjective term. What, um, you know, the, the family says, well, he always looked both ways, but he's been hit in the head. So he doesn't remember anything. That makes sense, too. The family said they let Junior walk to his friend's house before the collision. To get there, they said, he had to cross Springtown because there was a large drainage ditch running along their side of the road. 
explain to me how um, a kid can dart across a road with a large drainage ditch. It's not like he ran out of the bushes and jumped the large drainage ditch mm-hmm. to do this. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, the, di- the ditch prevents darting. Do you see what I'm saying? So you're suggesting he was walking down the side of the road and then we makes, don't even know, right? Makes like, more sense to me. Um, the county attorney brought Junior in for a dep- uh You know, if the cop deposition. had a freedom cam, we would know the, the real story. <laughs> right. Well, he probably did have a dash cam, but that information's been lost. Mm-hmm. Three but times they, they asked him what are always off. Or, or damaged whenever it might implicate the police officer. Sure enough. Yeah, there was a recent uh, event where nine cruisers came to a scene, and oddly, all nine of the, the cameras were uh, non-functioning or off at the mm. time. You know, I'm going to go into the, 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 the mode of, you know, if I were in charge, you know, how to fix everything, which a lot of people get into, which always cracks me up. So I'm going to kind of poke fun at myself for doing this. But, like, you know, it's one of those things, like, if that cam is not working... Like there should be the way it should be is that cam has to be running. And if it's not, then that should immediately raise suspicion, you know, for whatever the police officer's behavior is or, you know, and and, because it's their responsibility to keep that thing running. That car should be on the road. The badge is easy as this is these days. That badge should be um, should be hooked up. It should have a camera and a microphone in it like that. I mean, that badge is supposed to represent the power that the people give to the police officer. Now, (laughs) I mean, nobody believes that. But um, now the people have the ability. Technology is there that the people should be able to, uh, you know, see what the cops doing and saying at any given time. But they don't do that. They don't want accountability. Right. All right. So let's presume that it's it's true what the cop says and that this kid darts out into the road. Maybe he so was here's, down here's, in the ditch and runs out. Well, no, I don't know. I don't want to assume that. Here's the only thing you can assume from this is there's a ditch and that doesn't make sprinting across the road quite so easy. And the cop was going double the speed limit. Mm-hmm. Those are the two facts we have. And negligent driving was uh, dismissed from him. And it wasn't dismissed. It would not be, have been dismissed from the average person. That's true. That's the only point that I ever wanted to make with this is that, um, look, these cops can do things that you can't do. They are morally superior. They are uh, Teflon, uh, or, or more so. The yeah. charges don't stick to them the same way they do to other people. No, they got the, the brotherhood if behind them. If you go them. running out in the middle of the road, yeah, you're going to get hit by people, and at some point, statistically, one of those people is going to poli- be a police officer. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's um, you know th- that's the, nearly the issue. But there's two sides to this story, and whose side got believed? The cop. Why? Of course. Well, there there are betters. That's the reason. They would never lie. The police would never lie. Right. This you know this kid gets they got a badge. That badge makes him into a better person. <laughs> this kid get gets uh, bashed and knocked a half a football field down the road, and his story doesn't mean anything. Yeah, have you, seen, you seen that magic hat that the snowman puts on? That Frosty puts on, yeah. and all of a sudden he turns into a magic alive snowman. Happy That's the way the badge birthday. is. That's the way the badge is. It's like evil, dark person who might not use guns right or whatever. You stick the badge on them, and all of a sudden they don't. They never lie. They uh, they're suddenly proficient with guns, and you can't trust other people with guns. You know, they're and trained. It's it's magical. Well, for all we know, the cop was texting or something like that and wasn't even paying attention. Right, and you will never know this, this yeah. information. But the immediate assumption is that the 12-year-old darted out in front of the car, uh, and what the cop said mm-hmm. is true, and what the, what the family says, that their son always looked both ways, is not true. 
This kid sounds conscientious from this story here. You're going to he, have to do more than look both ways. You've got to look both yeah. ways and, and, and what take was, a look at the cars and see was, how fast they're going. I think their claim is that he was just walking down the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And if he so was not even looking, right? So if he got hit from behind, behind. Um, then how would he have even been able to, you know, to know? Yeah, yeah that uh, I, I've never understood people that say you're supposed to ride with the traffic when you're on when you're on a highway. Like you mean I'd a, rather a bicycle. Uh, yeah, I'd rather walk or ride uh, against traffic so I can see if somebody's walkers, veering over against me. Walkers are supposed to walk against traffic. That's uh, great. This is how I understand it. Bikers are supposed to ride with traffic. That's great. Oh, really? Uh, you're looking at um, you know, anytime you have a head-on collision. Uh, versus, worse. You, you know, yeah. you got a head-on collision where you add the speeds together for mm-hmm. the impact uh, versus a glancing blow. Where if your I bike see. is moving at a certain speed, the car is. It's like subtracting the speed. Sure. So, um, so I think that's probably part of it. And bikes can move at a pretty bike, good clip. Bikes are vehicles, and that's mm-hmm. why they're. And the, the intent is to have them, you know, go along with traffic because they are vehicles. More roads are being modified. Not enough, but more roads are being modified to accommodate bikes. They're giving a larger lip. You can't just ride along on that six inches that's on the side of the road because mm-hmm. sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. You'll die um, if you ride on the road. The cars get impatient with you and all sorts of stuff. Walking in the middle of the road is always a bad idea. Um, Was you know, he walk- walking in the middle of the road? Well, walking on. Walking on the road, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be in the along the double yellow line. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, walking in the road is always a bad idea. But I remember when I was a kid, we played baseball in the middle of the, the street. street. Sure, we and did. Someone it. would shout "car," yeah, and you'd run out of the street. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, yeah. this is a this was a uh, it was a residential area. That's what the story says. It's going from rural to residential in that particular area, and you know. I, I just I feel like this guy was not paying enough attention. I think you're probably right about that. He probably was not paying enough attention, and it's probably also a true statement about the child. The you know the young man was also not paying enough attention as well. And uh, I I don't feel like there should be for for the average person in the same situation. I don't feel like that they. You know, if you're going to walk near the road, you're taking a risk, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a risk. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to feel like the cop is the only one at fault. I don't think he is. I think that uh, I took two in this particular case. All right. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, it'd be a different story if the cop busts through a fence to go after and run a kid down. I mean, that I guess, would be... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that's true. I just feel like if it was me or you, that it would have been an entirely different I think you're story. Right. No, I think there's no doubt about that. You're absolutely right about that. You probably would have gone to jail if it were you or I. So let's go to your phone calls. You can bring up anything. Dennis is in Michigan. Dennis, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Delbert and Mark. Hey, guys. Um, Dennis. I'm, I feel uh, very grateful to finally get through to you guys. No, it's not that hard, but uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, I, I've listened to you for a year and a half. You know, Mr. Jones has been an entree to you and others. Um, but anyway, I just on New Year's Eve here, um, I want to know your views about Mary Ruart, and I love her work. She is world. super awesome. We'll talk more about it here. If you want, hang yeah. on. We'll bring you back. Uh, bring you back in a moment in hour number three, which is coming up here in just a little bit. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. It is the live New Year's Eve edition of the show. Bring up anything as always, or maybe focus on what's coming next in 2011 or reflect on 2010, whatever you want. How does a cruise to Bermuda sound? How about a cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me? 
This cruise isn't just a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the event is what you make of it. The boat has an ice skating rink, rock climbing wall, miniature golf, and much more. The ship leaves Bayonne, New Jersey in November 2011. But you need to reserve your berth now. They're as low as $535, double occupancy. Go to cruise.freetalklive.com. Do it today. Cruise.freetalklive.com. What you want by dialing in toll-free. 800-259-9231. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI. We launch here into the third hour of this live New Year's Eve edition of the program. People around the country getting ready to uh, get their party going on. It may actually already be going on where you live. And, of course, uh, do be safe as you're out there uh, enjoying yourself and your friends and uh, family tonight. It's amateur night, people. Even if you're not drinking, somebody else is. Drive yep. really safe. Look well, out. there's also a Sam Kinison said party responsibly, which means you know sleep on your side so you don't choke on your own vomit. It's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, I remember one year yeah, I was living down in Sarasota, Florida. I was out late. I think it was it was like a New Year's. I believe it was New Year's Eve. And I was out with some friends who we went to Waffle House or something like that as a teenager. Oh, Waffle House. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 24 <laughs> hours. It's a 24 hour diner yeah. for those that don't know. It's uh, probably more like a southern thing. So southeast. Apparently they make their waffles with cream, too, instead of like milk or something like that. They do make a fine waffle. And uh, I always like the hash browns there, but I remember coming home Indeed. that night. Scattered, that smothered, covered in whatever. Some nut job was driving the wrong way on a road that had a median in it, and it was like, it was crazy. Just, <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't on that side of the road, you know? Oh, I mean, wow, what do you do in that case? Just cross your fingers, I suppose. I, I, I suppose. I mean, what else could you right. can you do? And, so. and, of course, that guy who's probably drunk off his gourds going, why is everybody driving the wrong way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, do be careful out there and try to stay off the roads if you if you can at all uh, avoid it. Uh, and I know that the, the Liberty community up here in New Hampshire is getting together. There are different uh, gatherings in Manchester and Keene and I don't know where else, but people are, are already enjoying each other's company. So be safe. 800-259-9231. That's the number. Still to come, a two-pack of the Toda Sack going to be given away uh, tonight. So stay tuned for your chance to win that. And, of course, we'll take your calls about anything. Dennis is, I believe, still with us listening in Michigan. Dennis, you're back with uh, Free Talk Live. Yes, I am. Uh, to join your conversation about... Well, people being out and partying and stuff, uh, don't run a green light, you know, for the kids out there. Just stop at a green light. Make sure people are not running the green light. You can go safely. Oh, you mean running a red light? Be, uh, no, well, be no, no, the green green light. Okay. <laughs> people will be running a red light. Right, right. I, I Watch out for people running a red light, yeah. Yeah, I saved the life about 30 years ago that way. I want to tell people also, especially if you're partying with a frat, be careful where you pass out, because you will have a penis on your face. Somebody that is so up. mean. <laughs> pictures of people on the With internet. pictures oh. on the internet. That's it right. It is so mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's tacky. I think that is the rudest thing. Can't people do something a little well, less permanent? Well, I can tell you I can tell you that, uh, well, it shouldn't be that permanent. You can just wash it off, I think. But Depends on I what you, you write that, it uh, with, you can, There's a whole lot of stuff you could probably tell frat houses about being polite. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, if I wanted to uh, avoid that situation, I wouldn't go to a frat house, and I never have been, and uh, I never will yeah, be. Yeah, I, I was not a part of a frat. You yeah. have to purchase your friends. and Yeah, really, it is like renting friends, isn't yeah. it? Because if you stop paying the dues, then they're not your friends anymore. 
You, you, I understand you, it. You're buying friends, yeah, yeah. Or renting friends, yeah. So, uh, Dennis, what were you calling about tonight? Uh, well, my band, uh, when I was a youngster, played at the frat house, and they um, really drank past the off switch really, really well, and they also had brownies that were strange. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you had called to talk about uh, Dr. Mary Ruard, if I'm recalling correctly, yes? Yeah, it's, we're going into the new year here, and kind of the inspirational thing. You guys turned me on to her, and I love her work, Healing Our World. It's awesome. It is one of my favorite uh, liberty-oriented books. The worst thing about it is she really hasn't followed it up with anything else. You know, you want more. Well, she did. She actually wrote a second version. There was one that was released in the 1990s, and then she wrote an updated uh, an updated edition for the aughts, uh, the, this decade that we're about to finish I, here in I hours. I really wish that um, she would write just write a new book with some new material in it instead of uh, doing versions of a book. I think that sort of... I don't know. That bugs me about a, a book, but but well, I haven't. You know, the you thing could is, always write one. Taylor. Well, hey, you know, work, <laughs> working on it. Uh, but um, but I, I've got an autographed copy of it. Actually, that I still have to read. So I got but to you meet have her. Not at, read it. I got to meet her at Liberty Forum. Got to get an uh. autograph. I bought an autographed copy straight from her hands. And uh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, she was re- she was a really nice lady. Really, is just it's like as, going to church. You guys, what, <laughs> what's what's like going to church? I don't get it. Listen, reading her work. Like you're at church, you're getting extremely inspired. You're saying it was like a religious experience for you, reading, yeah. reading our world. It is. It yeah. is a good book, and she is such a great communicator. She is. It's not a scholarly book. I can't stand that stuff. I don't. Uh, I don't like reading the dry, uh, scholarly kind of academic style uh, novels or not novels, but uh, pieces by these. You know, these she economists. It to the layman. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so, like, it's so easy to wrap your mind around the ideas of liberty when she presents them, and she gives such great examples of of how the government creates uh, more problems than it uh, than it can possibly solve. That uh, the government, uh, it, there are all kinds of un- unintended consequences. She talks about honoring her neighbor's choice, and she really just does it in a brilliant, uh, in a brilliant, easy to understand way. And the book is, you know, it's a fairly thick book. It's a couple hundred pages at least. Uh, but there's also a significant amount of uh, citations in the back of it. She backs everything up. Uh, so anything, any claim that she makes, there's always a little citation there, and you can go to the back and you can, you know, dig up the study that she's referencing, or you can dig up the the newspaper article that she's uh, that she's citing. It's, it's all there. And then there's uh, there's columns down the side of the book. So you've got the actual text of the book, and then there's this. I guess accents, for lack of a better term, uh, quotes and and useful phrases and things like that by by thinkers that are in the the columns on the side of the book. So there's all kinds of useful stuff. There. You know, and I haven't read her book yet, but I got to see a speech that she gave at Liberty Forum where she talks about. She's a doctor, so she's she knows what she's talking about. This is from her personal experience, and she's been involved with like drug research and things like that. And her um, when she talks about the how much real harm, I mean, significant overwhelming numbers uh just blatant harm that's done by the whole government drug approval process and things like that uh and the government involvement and even even the subsidization 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 of i haven't had much sleep i'm sorry that's all right (laughs) of drugs and everything and and how much real harm it does and she really lays it out in a manner because you know there's there's so much harm that government does which is hard to pin down because it's just sort of vague and Mm -hmm. it permeates everything it's it's the broken window fallacy and and how government does all the the, the harm that government does is not as visible the as the seen in the unseen. Is, I think is what you're talking about the scene and the unseen 
and uh, well, she really breaks it down uh, in some in some terms that a layman can understand about the drug the, the drug approval process and the real people who are harmed by it and, and in significant numbers. So that was an excellent speech and 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 makes me um, that much more inspired to want to read the book. By the way, Delbert, you mentioned it's, it's that- free online too. You know, it is the old '90s edition is free online on her website, uh, and also she gave us the approval, the exclusive uh, approval to release the audiobook version of it, which is available at book.freekeen.com. So you can actually go uh, to book.freekeen.com to download the PDF, or download the uh, the EPUB or the ebook, or also download the audiobook version. So, and I, and I hope people, if they do do that and they listen to it and they enjoy it, I hope that they, in some way, shape, or form, uh, will contribute toward. Right. I don't know why you would benefit, you know. If you were to read that in the 90s edition and you'll see how awesome the book is from that, you'll you'll want to go and buy the odds version. There's more information, it's been updated. They, they she added a bunch of stuff. But Dalbert, you'd mentioned that you'd you'd like to see her write another book and i would like to point out that she is writing continually she does do a column uh on a bi-weekly uh basis where it's the advocates for self-government they have a newsletter that goes out the advocates.org is where you can go to get signed up for it it is uh it's an emailed newsletter and she has a column in that every single every single time they release it it's the tough uh Quick questions to tough. Oh no! T- quick answers. Quick answers to, to tough, tough questions. Quick answers to tough questions. Uh, where she really she takes suggestions from people. People email her. The, you know the really tough. You know t- questions that a lot of liberty minded people will feel cornered if they get asked these questions. And she gives her answer to uh, to those questions, which is very useful. And she's actually published a couple of compendiums of those uh, where that where she's essentially cataloged a bunch of her answers into a book uh, book format. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, there's I, one up there in the uh, the lrn.fm uh, bathroom. Right I get, yeah, it was just a small beef I had about just creating a new version of the book instead of making a new book. But I also like she shares one of my a philosophy of mine, which is an optimistic attitude that liberty is in- inevitable, mm. and that it's just a matter of time. We are going to get there, and that we're going through a sometimes a three steps forward, two steps back process. She is a very evolution. positive lady, Dennis. Thanks for the call. Always appreciate uh, hearing from folks here at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Hey, you want to win a tote sack? You want to win a two pack? Call in now. 603-435-1105. That's six zero three four three five eleven zero five, and you can win free talk live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Dial in, take control of the airwaves, and bring up anything at 800-259-9231. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We'll give you the features on the site totally free, so head over there, enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and the features include our webcam. You can watch, you can listen, you can chat. We've got our chat room built into the same page over at cam.freetalklive.com. You can do it all for free, thanks to Memory Dealers. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers. They're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers. And up to 99% off of list price. They can also uh, offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. 
Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. In stock, ready to ship via overnight delivery. It's MemoryDealers.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones and the fun. Paul is listening to WVTS in Charleston, West Virginia. Hey, Paul. How's it going, guys? Hey, Happy New Year. What's on your mind tonight? Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, I want to discuss the implications of uh, medical marijuana. Sure. And... um, I know people have a constitutional right, you know, freedom of choice. I mean, the Constitution grants that. No, no, no. Actually, hold on. Before you go on, let's uh, let's clear up what the Constitution does or doesn't do. Uh, people have rights because they're a good idea and they're human beings. The Constitution is a document that was formed in order to give the government people a set of rules by which to uh, to follow. Of course, we know they don't follow their own rules, uh, but that's the intention of the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't grant rights. It's a piece of paper uh, signed by men. I guess it was intended to protect rights, and the Bill of Rights was intended to enumerate the rights that was believed that people have. Correct. The Bill of Rights' purpose was to enumerate certain rights that the government in no way should be uh, running roughshod over top of. And of course, we know they, they do that anyway, so it doesn't really matter what it says. Um, so that said, I just want to make it clear, your rights don't come from the Constitution. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the medical marijuana issue, I mean, I understand it's used for glaucoma and cancer treatment for patients and stuff yeah actually there's a there's a myriad of things but that those are on the 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 lengthy list of things that it can that's nice it's good as particularly for dealing with uh the you know the nausea and a lot of the discomfort and pain from uh aids from from that and aids and and the thing about um and it's important because people who are on chemo tend to lose their appetite and marijuana gives you the munchies so it's an excellent. It's a, well, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, yeah. it's a counter to you know people losing their appetite, and a lot of times people when they if they're smoking marijuana while they're getting their chemo, a lot of them are able to keep their weight on and, and eat. Well, also when otherwise they have their appetite gone. Also, cancer patients and AIDS patients take a lot of medicine, a lot of a lot of pills that can be very nasty on their their system, their their digestive system, and it can create nausea. Some of these pills can create nausea, and so anti uh, marijuana has an anti nausea component as well, and so. It actually helps uh, once once the patient has taken their pills. They will also uh, smoke some cannabis, and it will help them keep the pills down, so the pills can actually stay in their system and uh, and work. Of course, multiple sclerosis patients benefit uh, from uh, from medical cannabis. Also, uh, some people have uh, pain issues that uh, chronic that pain helps. is great for. And one of the reasons it's great for that is because you know they it's it's actually in many ways better than the the opiates that people take are very addictive in the sense that your body actually stops reacting acting as well to them. You need more and more. And from what I've heard, they, they react in a subtractive manner, meaning that I'm, I'm sitting here talking like I'm a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I just want to state that first <laughs> off. I'm just repeating what I've heard. But, Dr. Dillard. Um, but uh, but the but the um the, my understanding is opiates act in a subtractive manner. You need more and more of them to deal with the pain because your body mm, adapts yep. to them. Whereas uh, the way marijuana works is that it doesn't make the pain. It doesn't just remove the pain. But what it does is it 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 it, 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 it sort of, it reacts more like a well, like a um, a divisive, um, it divides the pain, so it makes it lessens it dramatically, and it doesn't and it doesn't lose that effect over time. So you keep you don't need to keep taking more and more marijuana to get the same effect. Yeah, I mean, my girlfriend uh, or former girlfriend Julia used to swear by it uh, for, and I believe the girl before her as well uh, for menstrual pain as well, like a major reduction in the frustration mm-hmm. and the pain of uh, of dealing with that well, and it helps you cope with the pain that's there i yeah. mean it just makes you it enhances your 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 general state of of mind in terms of
of the pain. It's like you're feeling the pain, but it's not bothering you as much. It's not as distracting and, and disruptive of your life. So there you go, Paul. There's a few things that uh, we know of that uh, cannabis, medical cannabis helps people with. What were you curious about or what was your issue? Um, well, with the exception of the medical purposes, aren't there some health repercussions concerning that there's like probably 20% more ammonia and more cancer-causing agents in marijuana to begin with? Well, that's, that is a big myth. Uh, that is one of those cannabis myths that uh, float around out there and that you can count on the government and the anti-drug crowd to propagate. But there's no evidence whatsoever to show that anybody has ever gotten cancer of lung of a lung type or any sort of mouth cancer, anything like that. But uh, there may be risks. Marijuana. But one of the things is, is the government won't allow, simply will not allow scientists and doctors to do tests on the smoking of this vegetative matter, and that in and of itself is a problem. So there's these uh, the, the 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 center the ONDCP, the uh, Office of uh, Drug Policy Control or whatever it is. Um, uh, they'll say these things about marijuana that they really don't have scientific tests for because they won't allow scientists to test for it there have been tests on marijuana that in fact says that um you know it doesn't contain the the tar that nicotine does so it doesn't stick to the bronchi in the same way they've also found that it in many cigarettes they've also found that has anti-cancerous properties huh that's strange because i went online and uh, not to refute what you were saying, but I sure. went online and I checked the um, Harvard Medical site, and according to what their findings stated, they said you know the marijuana was there was some health risk involved. Oh, of course, there's going to be health risks. Yeah, you're inhaling uh, you know combusted vegetative matter, and there's going to be problems, no doubt. But if you do, when you do the research on this, you'll find that there's a lot of conflicting information, and I suspect that one of the reasons that there's conflicting information is because there's so little information because the United States government essentially controls the world, and they have a very, and it's difficult to get scientific studies on the you know usage of marijuana. And for whatever reason, Americans don't want to believe studies that come from foreign countries we have this god bless america flag waving thing where anything that them them norwegians are doing must be tainted <laughs> yeah good luck finding uh, a, an example one example of somebody who has died from lung cancer as a result of smoking cannabis their whole life that person does not exist in the records of all the records of humankind of all of science no one has ever ever been attributed to have has died from use of marijuana there certainly doesn't appear to be any sort of significant like noticeable statistical difference uh, like like if you smoke marijuana your chances of going uh, of getting cancer um it's 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 hard to even find that outside of just a mar- the margin of error if you, you find know. somebody that has lung cancer and they have smoked marijuana in their past they have lung cancer because they also smoked cigarettes. You cannot find someone who has lung cancer well, because gonna, of marijuana. Uh, you know, I, I still well, think people can get lung cancer without smoking anything. I'm it's just possible. telling you. Uh, but I've but, never but, heard. But of whether this. your odds of getting it are going to go up uh, again? The statistic, yeah. statistically, there doesn't seem to be anything to indicate that it's anything outside of, say, the margin of error, meaning that it's statistically insignificant. But I think more importantly no is that hundreds of thousands of Americans die every single year from taking prescription drugs the way that they were prescribed yep. by their doctor. That's true. Yeah, so, drugs have I mean, side if, effects. If you're worried period. about marijuana and its side and its side effects and it killing people, okay, so let's say a few people do die. 
hundreds of thousands of people die every year from taking prescription drugs yeah. as they were prescribed by their doctors. It's far more safe than any of those drugs. There's no doubt about it. Paul, we'll bring it back here. If you had something else you wanted to say, it sounded like you were just kind of getting into something. Uh, so more with Paul, perhaps, or your calls about anything. 800-259-9231. New Year's Eve edition of Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's the New Year's Eve edition of the program. You can dial in toll-free, bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The feature's there, free. We've got listening options. You can tune into our broadband or dial-up streams around the clock. Doesn't matter what time it is. Maybe it's 3 in the morning. You're getting done with the uh, the partying from, uh, from tonight's New Year's Eve. And you want to l- listen to Free Talk Live? We're on. We're on all the time at listen.freetalklive.com. In fact, if, uh, if that's not op- an option for you, maybe you don't have an internet connection, you want to call us up on your phone, you can do that too. You can use our listen lines and dial in and listen. If, as long as you can call long distance, you can listen to Free Talk Live on any phone that can dial long distance. There's also our satellite channel, which allows you to listen to LRN.FM uh, around the clock without paying any kind of uh, fees, which is nice. It's called free to air. Plus 85. 85- you can do that on the internet too. That's right. You can LRN, do that, too. Yeah. Uh, and then plus there's 85 wonderful affiliates from coast to coast that take our show from various different times. And you can listen to them, too. Get all the details over at listen.freetalklive.com. And I think Paul is still with us uh, there listening in Charleston to WVTS. Paul calling with some uh, some good questions tonight uh, and also some misinformation that is frequently passed around about uh, medical cannabis that deserves to be cleared up. And I'm glad that you've given us the opportunity to do that. Go ahead with uh, any further thoughts you have. Okay. Um, wouldn't there be some impairment of motor, like neurological function as far as, you know, when you're wanting marijuana to begin with, when you're operating like heavy machinery or you're just in general flying airplanes, wouldn't they yeah, be? I wouldn't there? recommend it. Uh, it's it's not a recommended thing that, uh, that you drink or smoke marijuana or do any kind of uh, mood-altering substance or mind-altering substance when using heavy machinery and putting other people's lives in your own life. Uh, in uh, you know in, in harm's way yeah, certainly if, if for no other reason than public perception um, you know there the Australian Department of Transportation did a study and it showed that uh, marijuana drivers were essentially about as effective as an unimpaired driver um, and whereas alcohol impaired drivers were extraordinarily affected by um, their drinking but you know people are just not going to like the idea that you might be high and operating heavy equipment and you know we're talking about medical marijuana here we're talking about patients treating illnesses um hopefully you know if somebody's treating their illness with dilatids they're not getting out there and operating heavy machinery either okay uh, with regards to the legalization of marijuana i mean okay. don't you think it was legalized i mean people would actually use it you know when they're flying airplanes and things well um are people using alcohol in flying airplanes yeah okay yes so do you think we should ban alcohol okay and and hold on wait i got another question do you think that people are not flying airplanes while high right now well i'd I'd say they are 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, uh, yes, I agree that that much is true. How how is the world going to change? Well, I mean, it really doesn't change in general, but I mean, it's like actually promoting the use of the drug in general to where if you go ahead and say, well, okay, it's, you know, it's legal, it's going to facilitate that use even more. It's going to, you know, have you thought about, um, okay, sorry, go ahead. They have, they do have tests for the, um, you know, whether or not somebody is high in the same way that they have, uh, tests. And the, the test is not cheap, but over time it would come down with usage, um, you know, you know, you know, supply, demand, and all that stuff. So the same way that they can test somebody for being high, they can, or they can test somebody for being drunk, they can test them for being high. So in the same, the, the argument that you're making for not legalizing marijuana would be the same argument that you should be making for making alcohol illegal. Right. Uh, yeah, you do have a point there, but you know, like there's, I say, I there's drink, also I okay. I, I drink. I don't. You know, I drink it on occasion. I'm not like a mm-hmm. heavy alcoholic, but I mean, I've smoked marijuana maybe once, and the only thing it did for me was basically make me sleepy. I mean, I just don't understand the big fascination with smoking it in general. Sure. Well, the thing is, like, like you, you know, the the stuff you're bringing up is relevant to any drug. So all the prescription drugs out there. People should not be flying on them or operating heavy machinery. They're all legal. I mean, presumably, if you've gotten a prescription, and they're not that hard to get if you don't have a prescription, and the, and the nope. penalties aren't nearly as severe as, as, as say, um, they're not constantly looking for those like they are marijuana, and they're not going to constantly, they're going to immediately check you, see you have a prescription if they find some on you and stuff like that. So uh-huh. this is fairly readily available stuff that's a lot more dangerous to be operating heavy equipment on than marijuana. You know, uh, again, marijuana, not nearly as dangerous for um for driving or other operating of heavy equipment, Boy, just as the number other, of cab drivers that get high. Drugs, uh, alcohol and prescription drugs. Yeah, and um, and the thing is too that uh, there's other things you can do that are not illegal that are a lot worse than even drinking, like like being really tired when you're driving. Well, they uh, found being tired, eating while you're driving, texting. texting. Oh my god, texting! You know they're starting to make it illegal, but but that's you know. But how do they enforce it? Yeah, exactly. So, and then what happens is when you try to enforce, when you make it illegal, what happens is people are get even worse because now they just text down in their lap so they won't get caught, and that's even more dangerous than texting up in front of your face, you know, where you can see what you're. Yeah. You know. So all the scary stuff about what could happen if marijuana were legalized, as you point out, yeah. Mark, it's already happening. You missed pregnant ladies too, by the way. People are people are already they're already smoking and driving. They're already smoking and going to their jobs. This, these things are already happening, and leave it to the business owners to decide what their policy is going to be on that. If if I want to make sure that my forklift operators are not using including any insurance drugs. companies, by the way, that insure you for your car. You know, if yeah. they find out, let's say if they find out you were in an accident and you were high while you were driving, they might go, oh, you know, maybe they have part of their policy that they're going to raise your rates if that happens. Yeah, so I may have a rule at my, if I'm, you know, operating a warehouse that I don't want any of my employees to show up on any kind of mood-altering substances, and it would be my responsibility as an employer to ensure that that happens, whatever that means, whether it's random drug testing of the employees or however I would, uh, would go about doing that. Uh, that's that's that should be my responsibility as an employer. If one of my employees wants to go home after work and get high to enjoy the rest of his evening by himself or with his family or friends or whatever, it's none of my damn business. And it's going to make my uh, my life worse and not my employees' lives worse if they are driving uh, perhaps somewhere, going to a movie, get pulled over, and they've got a you know a joint in the car. They get arrested. They don't show up for work the next day, and, and then that makes their life much worse. So. Having these drug laws 
doesn't stop anybody from using the drugs that want to. There are not very many people in America that are sitting there saying, boy, if only marijuana were legal, then I'd go out and get some. There just aren't very many people like that. There aren't very many people saying, oh, crack. Oh, I would just smoke some crack if I could only, if it was only legal. (laughs) The, The people that want to do these drugs are going out and doing them. They're taking the risk of going to jail. They're taking the risk of having their lives uh, ruined. I mean, they're, they're taking these significant risks to go and get high. They're doing them anyway, despite the, uh, the horrible consequences that, uh, that may await them. So when you legalize uh, drugs, it actually brings an extra level of responsibility uh, to people when they're, when they're using those, uh, those products because they don't have to hide anymore. They don't have to be paranoid. They don't have to be worried about what might happen. Uh, they can, they can take, a, take some pot with them in the car. It's, it's not a problem. They don't have to smoke before they get in the car, before they're go, going somewhere. Um, so there's all kinds of reasons to legalize drugs, and there's no reason reason to keep them illegal unless you like having a police state and and, and any problem out there as soon as you approach it with try to solve the problem by banning something or making a new law and making it illegal uh nine times out of ten you you, in some way shape or form you really make the problem worse it it doesn't solve the problem and it just makes it worse absolutely you're putting you're talking about eight hundred thousand americans are arrested every single year just for pot there are another seven hundred thousand or so that are arrested for all the other drugs combined but just for marijuana and most of them 80 plus percent of those arrests are for simple possession not drug dealing or anything like that. Not that that's a problem either. There's nobody harmed in, in selling drugs. So, Paul, your final thoughts after getting all that information? Okay, final thought. Um, I understand that the law doesn't prevent anyone from abusing drugs, like you say. I mean, you reiterated the marijuana issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least there's some consequence. I mean, like I say, if you legalize it, they're going to say, well, you know, you, you said they'd be more responsible in, you know, their drug use. They're not going to, you know, fly a plane and smoke a marijuana joint. But I no, no, they are going to they, they fly a plane and smoke oh. a marijuana joint. I'm telling you that. It's happening now. Gonna, yeah, gonna, in the I'll, same way that there's a pilot out there right now I with a flask of whiskey in his, in his vest pocket. I want to let him finish, but I want to talk about some of those consequences <laughs> after he's done. Yeah, uh, consequences. All right, I'll tell you what, Paul, I'll bring you back here real quick because I've you know, got some other people that want to comment on this. But uh, I want to let you get your thoughts out there. 800-259-9231. I think this is one of the most important issues. It's, it's my pet issue. You can bring up what you want. There are already consequences for using drugs. We don't need to add jail cells to it. More coming up. Take control. Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call, but if you're not on the line right now, probably not. It is the live edition, the New Year's Eve edition of the show, uh, only about two-plus hours remaining in this decade. And I know we had this conversation earlier this year, Mark. The I decade can't is, believe that you got it right. is now about to end, finally, right? So we're now going to go into the teens here uh, shortly. What do you oh, call I this one? I remember that conversation, yeah. What do you, what do you call this one? Because uh, this was the odds that we're about yeah, to finish out. teens are accurate. But 11 and 12 aren't teens. Yeah, they're, they're teens. Close enough. Good okay. enough. Well, anyway. there's a, more teens, and um, well, the the, the ten isn't the odd, teens. isn't yeah. the isn't an odd either. 
All right. So uh, so coming up, uh, by the way, tomorrow night we'll be live, the live Saturday edition, New Year's Day. We're going to be here thanks to uh, uh, to Kyle and uh, Donovan over at the, the Genesis Communications Network for coming in special uh, to, to run the show. By the way, Donovan uh, is running the board tonight. And normally we pay our board operators, you know, like, you know, special special to come in for us. Normally they get paid by GCN. I pay them tonight to give them the, the extra incentive to come in on a holiday. And thank you guys for coming in. But Donovan actually said, hey, don't pay me. Give that money to the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. Huh. Nice, Donovan. Donovan's been doing you. this so long. We must have we, we've been doctrinating the poor kid. <laughs> for God's sake, is he the longest one that uh, has been board up? I don't know. I mean, um, at well, this kudos point? to Donovan. Yeah, very cool, very nice of him. Donovan, pot up that mic for a second. So. <laughs> See there. He's probably smoking probably pot out back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there better Jones. be some consequences then, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Sorry, we, I'm picking on the caller already about we, the consequences. He says he's got nothing to add. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so we're going to go back to Paul in Charleston uh, listening to WVTS. Now, you mentioned consequences, Paul. Uh, we're talking about marijuana, people smoking pot. Uh, and Dale, you wanted to, I guess, say something well, about the consequences. you said that at least there's consequences, and I guess you mean that there's something bad is going to happen to people for for the for using marijuana. Explain to me why that's a good thing. Well, that's a good thing because it keeps society civil. I mean, what? <laughs> all right, I'll talk about that in a minute. Wait a minute, done. what is uncivil about smoking pot? Well, <laughs> so, what's, what's civil? What's civil? What's civil about the, the fact that we now are the highest? We have the most number of people in prison than any other country in the world. Ever since the war on drugs started, we've started arresting. We have three times as many people in prison than when we started, and we're locking people up who have harmed no is it, one. Is that your police scanner? <laughs> <laughs> so we're locking, we're locking people up now that have harmed no one. We're breaking up families that, that, that we have kids being raised in foster homes when their parents haven't hurt anyone and aren't criminals by the, by the common sense definition of the word. Of, Can we pot him down? I'm sorry, criminal. Donovan. Pot him down because there's something screwy with his cell phone there. It's, it's really yeah, weird. Yeah, something's back. going on there. So, so we're locking up parents who haven't hurt anyone and now their kids are growing up in foster homes and things like that we're spending billions of dollars to lock up people again who haven't harmed anyone and so the consequences to me seem like these consequences seem like they're they're primarily bad things happening to innocent people and that to me seems very uncivilized and i'd also like to point out you know just ask any law enforcement officer who have they been in more wrestling matches with mm-hmm. pot smokers or, uh, or or drinkers i mean yeah. if you want to keep society civil give everybody a joint you'll find um, you'll They'll find down. that society yeah. gets a heck of a lot more civil uh, more quickly as a matter of fact uh, having spent 9 years in prison i had there's one prison guard who was walking me to work one night and he says you know if it was up to me, I'd give you guys a bag of pot every week. It'd, no joke. Uh, it'd take care of all the, the riots and fighting in this place. Absolutely. Mark, I'm glad Mark mentioned that because I was thinking about that earlier and I got sidetracked. But I would like to see, you know, I don't expect, if, if, if pot gets legalized tomorrow, let's say, just a thought experiment, I did not expect to see over a period of time any significant change, any statistical difference in like car accidents or airplane crashes no. or anything like that. I would bet money on it that we don't see any statistical increase in any of that. But I would be awfully surprised if I didn't see, if we didn't see a statistical decrease in violence. Paul, are you there? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I didn't say I agree with the approaches that the police use in their, you know, their punishment, you know, techniques. I mean, as far as I know about police abuse, I mean, I've been, you know, there myself. But as far as, you know, he said he didn't expect to see any statistics as far as, you know, motor vehicle accidents and plane crashes. I mean, if marijuana is classed as a hallucinogenic drug, 
and it impairs motor function. You can expect to see that. No, sir. It's a mild psychedelic. It is not a hallucinogenic drug. It's a mild psychedelic. And what that means is like, you know, the worst that'll happen is you'll think you see something in the shadows and it's not actually there. I mean, there's no real significant. And that would be a lot of pot smoking. Yeah, you'd have to be really paranoid, too, uh, as well. And 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 the fact that uh, it would be legal would reduce the paranoia and, surrounding And besides, the you've already said that people drive while smoking marijuana now and yeah. that that, um, you know, you understand that. So I don't think there's a lot. I don't think you'll see a stati- statistical increase Go because those accidents, if they're happening, are, are already happening. Go look in and Portugal. there are tests for whether or not people have smoked. And they're, for whatever reason, they're not being found that very many people that cause accidents are, in fact, yeah, the people, high. The people it's causing the accidents alcohol. Are... And if you're for keeping marijuana illegal, then you should be for making tobacco illegal because it has health consequences and for making alcohol illegal because it has tremendous consequences from a societal and from a health standpoint. Paul, we got to let you go. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Something to think about. There's a, there's a lot of information on this topic, and I think it's, it's it sounds like he's open-minded. Yeah, yeah he's working on it. Uh, let's talk to Ed listening in Jackson, Tennessee, to the TJ Network. Hello, Ed. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, oh, I could just go off on this subject. Hey, this guy, he, hey, you said he's got an open mind. He, I guess, I hope he does. I didn't but, get uh, that sense. It, it sounded to me like, like it went uh, one ear, in one ear and out the other. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 you're not going to turn around in one conversation on this particular issue. Well, and he, right. was, he was having a conversation. He wasn't uh, just, just pounding a pulpit or anything like that. So That's uh, true. I, I, he, he does deserve credit for go that. Go ahead, Ed. He was having a hey, call. Hey, let me, let me give you gentlemen some backup on the marijuana and stuff. Go to look at Donald Taskin. I think you can go to YouTube. Donald Taskin. Taskin is a, a scientist at, or doctor at UCLA. Uh, I got the re- little report in the paper right here. Uh, the largest study of its kind has unexpectedly concluded that smoking marijuana, even regularly and heavily, does not lead to lung cancer. But yeah. y'all can look that up. What it was, it does have a lot of, it says, harmful effects of the cigarette. I mean, the, the chemicals in the cigarettes. But he said what we found instead was no association at all to that, and even a suggested of a protective effect for the lungs That's from right. cancer. But y'all can look that up. Yeah, yeah, we, we reported just, on that one. We've it, read it on the air, and it's such uh, an outlandish claim that it's difficult it for is. people to, uh, to 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 associate. I mean, you yeah, know, right. you know that cigarettes cause lung cancer, so it makes perfectly good sense that combusting any vegetable matter should probably not be good for your lungs. And the, you know, there's some studies out there that say the opposite. It's it's difficult but, to internalize, and it's so difficult i almost don't mention it to people and also uh guys that uh out of five hundred thousand plants only marijuana contains thc and like dr taskin says here to his surprise so he spoke against marijuana he thought that you know it does and mark it does have tar it has five times uh, more tar you can look that up but see marijuana has five times this, the tar okay okay but listen to this huh. uh, dr taskin tells you on there when you inhale cigarette tobacco the blood vessels and everything constrict. And he said, to their amazement, when you smoke marijuana, they expand. It's true. It's why your your eyes turn red. Hey, hey, listen to this. Uh, Also, water, seven foods, and all drugs can key you in an overdose. The only drug that cannot key you in an overdose 
is marijuana. It's true. There's not you a single documented it. case of it. You not a single it, one. <laughs> Thank you for the call I mean, tonight. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, the only way you you're going to die from marijuana is if a bale of it falls on your head from you the know, roof. Th- th- that's the thing. You, you people smoking well, tobacco. This is one thing I thought of. This is total anecdotal experience because I will go in. I'm going to say right now I'm, I'm a, an occasional um, marijuana smoker. And uh, it, the, the, the weirdest thing for me is I think I, I, sometimes I, uh, I feel I, I might hyperventilate a little bit. And maybe that has to do with the expansion of the blood vessels is that I feel like I'm getting too much oxygen almost mm. after smoking it. And, and sometimes that makes me – I think that might be where some of the panicky – if people who feel panicky a little bit sometimes if they smoke a lot, yeah, it maybe. might be because they're getting a lot of oxygen all of a sudden. Let's go to uh, – I believe Brent is with us listening to WVTS in Charleston. Hey, Brent. Hey, uh, happy new year, guys. Hey, happy new year to you. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, I'm a, I'm a smoker, and I smoke it for medical use uh, in West Virginia. I'm trying to get the law passed for medical use. Okay. I haven't had luck yet. Yep, it's tough. But I definitely have smoked it for since I have retired from driving. I didn't smoke when I drove cross-country, and uh, I quit during that 10-year time I drove, but I continue to smoke it every day. And I don't see a problem with it. It's never made me go to harder drugs. Mm-hmm. And I think our, our government would do a lot better by legalizing it and using it for tax money for for the government. Uh, would come out more, long more ahead than putting these people in jail and keeping them in jail for marijuana and, and writing tickets on it instead of just. Yeah. Giving them a yell and say, and it, hey, and you it, can't do that. You're absolutely right. And by the way, it deserves to be pointed out that it's not like they can't get it in jail either. Right. <laughs> They're not handing you, it out, right? but you can get it. The guards are smuggling it in. People are smuggling that right. stuff into jail. Hey, I wish we had more time. We're out of it, though. Thank you for the call tonight. Be safe out there if you are on the roads. Try to get off of them. Get inside. Uh, be safe. Uh, enjoy your happy, fun New Year's Eve. Thanks for coming in tonight, guys, on the uh, the holiday edition of Free Talk Live. We're going to be back for a live New Year's Day edition tomorrow, so join us then and online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have a good and fun and safe night. A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that, in 2011, we'll witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives, the way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and your family. Now, this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but he's usually right. He predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner. And recently, he created a video which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at endofamerica.com. 19.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, it's endofamerica19.com. That's the numeral 19. That's endofamerica, the numeral 19.com.